Reading can be learned, and I don't care if you curse or steal. But don't ever podcast to me. Understood? What's your favorite line, Now, Emily? I literally just took the top quote on the page because I was searching through them, and Emily, our guest, who I'm not introducing yet, said that she had multiple options, and I wanted to just get one out of the way so I could hear her throw her options out. I just have one main one, and then okay. a, a second one that's sort of funny. Um, did the big podcast make her go mad? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And also... Pain is a podcast. <laughs> That's good. Here's another one I considered. <laughs> At least I'll die with my podcast intact. <laughs> That's actually good. That's good, right? Because the word yeah. is cock. The word is cock. Cock. Yeah. <laughs> um, with uh, my little joke of a podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he doesn't even have a good dick, right? Yeah, that's no, that's the... it's one of actually the largest, strongest recurring themes in the movie is that his Everyone dick sucks. Everyone is necking this guy's dick. Yeah. Which is really, like, disappointing. I think I think he is um, one of the more handsome, handsome people that's ever been on screen in the last, like, decade. So the idea that his dick sucks is very... Well, I think it's more like, so, that, you, you know, he is very hot. We can talk about mm-hmm. him. Um, mm-hmm. Ha Jung-woo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he's a huge star in Korea, yeah, he's right? Like, like a, he's like one of the biggest he's a lot of TV. Actors. He's on some uh, Netflix series too, I think. But yeah, God, yeah. So God bless him for just being like, yeah, you want me to play like creepy bad dick count fake yeah. count guy like who sucks? I, I'll do it. Sounds good. Sounds like a good role. I gotta say, all these ladies get one over on me. This is a thing I I appreciate about having done this miniseries. Already being a big uh, fan of Park Chan-wook's films and having seen the majority of them and, and loved them a lot, uh, by and large, um, but not really having a tremendous amount of cultural context for them and considering them within that. And now, like, digging into all these movies and being like, oh, almost every time the leading man he's working with is, like, one of the biggest stars in South Korean cinema, like, heartthrob legitimate dramatic heavyweight leading man and he almost always cast them as like deranged cucks <laughs> and villains and creeps like he just emasculates them so thoroughly and destroys them in a way that i just like i, I always was watching them like oh he found a great character actor and it's I like no like, he yeah. keeps on making like brad pitt eat shit <laughs> <laughs> i feel like there must be a wait list like a secret wait list for for park movies where you know like the 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 highest ranking actors at any given time yeah it's kind of like for a kidney, except it's like I really want to get being a creep out of my system, uh, and and you know he's he's the, the number one practitioner of of, of creeps, and it feels you know. like like career S and M. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. Where they're like fucking ruin me, ruin yeah. me, Park Chan Wook, destroy my <laughs> image as a star. Right. It's it's a rite of passage. It's a it's a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah. and it's just he never lets them be cool. Ironically, mm. well, we can get to this, but it, he's not the one who has a ruined reputation after this film. But nothing to do with this film specifically. No, no, right? yeah, you're, yeah. no you're right. It is. It is. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it speaks about who is coolest. What? Who is his coolest male protagonist? All the boys in JSA, I suppose, are kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's the answer. I don't know. Right? But they're all kind of cucks to their they're respective militaries. Yeah, yeah they're cucks to their countries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They all got they're, cucked by patriotism. But national. 
<laughs> but they at least they at least play guys who are playing at being leading men, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. Semi convincingly. They're all trying to do star performances. Rain yeah. is is very cute, and I'm a podcast, but I mean, and I'm a sorry, yeah. I'm that, a cyborg. That's his. But he's wearing like a bunny hat and shit. Like, but that's yeah. Right, yeah. That's his sweetest male lead. Yeah. But he's also deranged, right? Song Kang Ho, I think, is very cool and thirst, but he also I think has... he's cool, but he's not like, yeah, he doesn't yeah. get... He's a broken man. <sighs> yeah, yeah. He's not... It's like that, that movie, that movie is almost like, can 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 you just will him to be sexy by having the movie just be so insane and, right. <laughs> and hot? Right, but then like... I love that movie. Old Boy, Mr. Vengeance, decision to leave this are just like broken men. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where he's or, working yeah. with... All like huge stars, yeah. Uh, you, you know, I think it's great. Who yeah. who's like that here? No, who like goes out of their way to break men on like, screen? Like you look like shit. Yeah, fuck you. I don't you. know. I don't know. Last time somebody really really hot looked terrible in an American movie, like a man, but um, like in a way that wasn't what? performative or stupid. Right. You know, like sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, look at me," uh, but it just like looked Brendan shitty. Fraser. But was like. Um, well, I thought he was pretty good in Will. <laughs> um, this like thoroughly emasculated by the text of the film. That's sure. the thing. Right. It's not just the way he makes them look. Yeah, I still think. I still think. Um, oh God, I can't. I'm, I'm, I keep forgetting the name of the the hot actor. <laughs> um, ha Jung Woo. But uh, he, yeah, he still kind of gets out being cool. I think like if it ended. Yeah, he's kind of cool. in the scene his before his last scene. Then he would look kind of dumb. Yeah. He but he really has like a death. cool, like he has a cool ending. I think I think he gets away looking pretty cool. He does, um, but he also like he's able to die on his own terms, looking kind of cool, admitting that he's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Like part which of is every ending, man's dream, right? He just accepts <clears throat> that he's a piece of shit, and at least he's still got his cock in his hand. And he right, he didn't like. No one put him in an octopus tank or anything. Like no. when the octopus shows up, you're like, "Oh God, is there going to be a whole octopus thing?" Yeah, you know that octopus is going to go straight for the cock too. That's the <laughs> other problem. Not to look, right. like, he's the one. The it's his his final words. Octocock. Introduce the podcast. Octopus. Mm. This is blank check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Octopusy. Octopussy and a hundred comedy points. Uh, it's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want, emasculating South Korea's biggest leading men. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. Baby, this is a mini series on the films of Park Chan Wook. It's called I'm a Podcast, but that's okay. Today we are talking what David, I think. You and I, no spoilers, agree is his masterpiece. I think, yeah. For me, it's my undeniable number one. Yeah. And it's beyond that, one of my favorite films of the last 10 years. Uh, it's called The Handmaiden. And returning to the show. Returning. Returning, returning to the show for what is the 12th? Who, who can no. keep count? 13th? Let me fire up Blank Check Wiki. Here we which go. Which I have bookmarked on my... Um, the top of my uh, chrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this 12 um, no, main feet? Is this, a, is this a Yoshida's dozen? The it's mother of Blankies herself, Emily Yoshida. It's, it's her 13th. This is 13th. <gasps> this, is a, this is a Yoshida's dozen. Um, great. Well, hello, my children. <laughs> Hi. Uh, great to be back. Um, yeah. D- twice in the same year. I think I went an entire year, though, not being on the pod. You did. I, you were not I on really the pod did a little, like, mercy like i i, I kind of just broke down into like a little jog let some other people like think they could catch up 
Um, no one's catching up. No, but no, no, no. Emily St. James is on our Stoker episode, and she pointed out that there was no Emily period on the podcast in 2022, which was an oversight. Oh, I'm so excited to hear Emily on Stoker. This is being recorded in the past. But even like Stefanski, it, there was no Emma even, I want to say. No, Emma was, because Emma did James and the Giant Peach. But wasn't that top of 23? Well, now, or, or was no, that I got to look at that. Uh, I don't My know. memory is that was first ep up. Might be. Might but maybe be. I'm wrong. Maybe that was no, tail end. It was Coraline. That was the first Coraline of the year. Was the, okay, so an Emma snuck in, but no Emily's. Yeah. Yeah, Emma's not, Emma's not an Emily. She's an Emma. No, I know that. I know that. I was just, I was asking an adjacent question. The point is, yes. You let everyone catch up a little bit just to reassert your dominance. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's cruel, cruel but necessary. Yes. Um, Welcome, yeah. Emily. Thank you, Emily. You wanted to discuss Park Chenwick's film, The Handmaiden. Coolest shit you ever. You asked made. us if you I, could. I we did. We said yes. We gave, which was made. very kind of you. I didn't you necessarily so nice think. Us. I would get it because I figured everybody would want this movie, and I assume they all did because it's uh, basically a perfect movie. Yep. But, I feel like uh, a lot of people did ask. I don't know. They would just put it on the list, right? Or just be like, well, I like Handmaiden. There are a lot of moving puzzle pieces in mm. scheduling this one for a number of reasons. This whole mini series, mm. And there was like a thought of someone who maybe wanted to do it where we held it off and didn't. Oh, that's right. We weren't offering it. We weren't offering it for that's a while. Right. We kind of took it off the board for a while. I wanted to give it to someone fancy. Yes. And who's fancier <laughs> than Emily, Emily Yoshida? Yoshida. Um, someone somewhere asked me to describe my personality with one word. I'm not kidding. I think it was probably on a dating app or something. Sure. Cool. And uh, good. Sounds good. I did say fancy. Yeah. But fancy I think is. I was drunk when I said that. Well, you are very fancy. <laughs> you and I... I feel like both have a an appreciation for fanciness, Emily. Uh, yeah, we, we've got some tourist placements. Where, exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Don't get me started on astrology with David Sims. Oh boy, I love astrology as a means of talking about myself. I, I don't, I don't really love it up. as a means of understanding the celestial universe or whatever. Mm. That makes sense. Interesting. Just okay. an organizational tool. I am looking at my my. Blank check history, just so I can remember the last time I was able to truly like gush over a movie. Like, un mm. like I have no, like I have zero negative things to say about this movie. Spoiler alert. Um, and I, I mean, Tough I guess I really game. like Dark Star. Obviously, it's yeah. not a perfect movie, but I really like it, and I was like, I wanted to make an argument for it. Uh, and then I mean, even and I know everybody hated this, but I. I really like Mad Max Fury Road, but it's not I don't I don't think I, I feel ecstatic about that movie the way mm -hmm. I feel ecstatic that about this also, movie. That's um, I can't think about that episode because like an hour of it was lost. Right. We've revealed oh, that right. before, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. An hour of it God. was lost yeah. and it was That like, was in the dark audio boom studio times. Right. And it was also one of the last in person yes. pre banked. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, we were already having to start to do zooms for earlier episodes. That's no, right. that's a, that's a tough one to uh, revisit. Eh, the episode turned out well. Ben did a good salvage oh, job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Castle in the Sky. Surely you have no beef with Castle in the oh, Sky. Oh no, Castle in the Sky. I think was the last time I did a right. full on like just this is my Worship. this is my shit. Babe. I will just I know every well, detail of it. Like I can I can just you know 
wax poetic on it. Ba- babe so. was not main feed, but I do feel like that episode yes, was yes. all three that, of us. That being was another like, one. Yeah, yeah. Perfect, I will perfect go hard for Babe. Yeah, that's yes. a perfect movie. Also, like, what Babe. Are you do? And then- <laughs> Criticize Babe? You can't. He's a, he's he's some good pick. Yeah, he's he's, good he's pick. a very good pick. Wait, isn't that, that's, that's, that's that's fucking Charlotte's Web. Yeah. But I think it still applies to it's Babe. Wilbur. Wilbur is some pig. He's also a good yeah. pig. There can be two good pigs. Yeah, I mean that'll do honestly to both pigs. Mm. That'll do. Yes. Um, but The Handmaiden is really exciting. I'm, and I also, sorry, I don't want to get too meta on my own blank check career, but I was thinking it. about it, and I believe I saw this movie for the first time the same day I saw Elle for the first time. Mm. Another movie. So, really? who at TIFF? I saw. At- I did not go to Cannes that year, but I did catch up with it at TIFF and. Was Elliot was Elliot can as well? Uh, I'm remember. almost I certain it was, that it was. Right? Yeah, and yeah. At TIFF, so I was as we doing both my like, know, catch up there. Um, that um, was a you... good can year, and I was really bummed to have missed it. That was like the one little gap in my brief career of going to can that I was not there for that one. But um, yeah, I think I saw these films back to back, and like what an incredible day! And then maybe day. I saw Arrival either the day before or the next day, which is still, like one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what an what a what a fun time at at the festival. Well, when you get to TIFF on Thursday, Emily, we both know they show on Thursday morning all the can movies. They 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 do right. the catch up day, so it, it yeah. sometimes yeah you get just an injection of masterpiece. Yeah. yeah, you'll watch like Parasite or Call Me by Your Name, whatever you know, sure. whatever the hot you know, can and Sundance movies were. Is this your favorite park film as well, Emily? I was thinking about it. I. I really like Thirst a lot, and I wanted to watch it. I, yeah, I did a big park watch. I used to do this a lot, like back in the Netflix disc days. I would, I would just queue them all up, queue up an entire filmography, and I, I, I remember doing that for, for him at around. It was, it, I think, because Thirst was his last film, and mm-hmm. I remember just being blown away by it and I think I've seen it once since then um but this one just being fresh in my mind and kind of remembering how excited I was to see it the first time and there are certain moments in it where I remember being in the theater and being like I'm I'm watching what will become one of my favorite movies it's and it's so exciting to have that feeling so yeah I think I think I think it's like yeah jury's out on on thirst but this is very very good it's up there I love thirst but yeah. this is kind of like opus territory. I'll, I'll yeah. say this too. They're in the UK. They released an extended cut of this. This film had different distributors in different uh, territories. It was Amazon in the US. In the UK, it was, uh, what do they call Quarzon Artificial Eye? Quarzon? Yes. Yeah. And I think they both re-released it in theaters and then put it out on Blu-ray and maybe also streaming for a period of time in an extended cut that's 25 minutes longer. Yeah. And the American Blu-ray is out of print, so I imported the British one, which has the extended cut, and I watched both in the last 48 hours. All right. Um, okay. And I, I was like, is this going to be a radical transformation, like plus up of the movie I already think is a perfect masterpiece, or is it going to feel like it's padded out now, sure. and this is just kind of like a for nerds, like bonus stuff version? And instead, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I think I would just like truly any version of this movie like the way i feel about like the the multiple cuts of margaret where i'm just like this this movie is so 
in the pocket for me has like such clarity about what yeah. it's saying that even if you start rearranging the footage yeah. and shortening things and lengthening different things, I'm just like, I'm just all in on this. That is surprising to me though. Not, I mean, I, I haven't seen the extended, but yeah. I think part of what makes this movie just perfect is the edit. And it feels like every single proportion of every section, every every shot is just like exactly where it needs to be. So I am I, not that I doubt that it's also good, but that's I mean, that's amazing if it if it, you know, if kind it stands. Of like, it sort of just works as an entirely valid different version of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Reddit mostly says extended cut is worse. Hmm. And Reddit's always right. I would default to watching theatrical. Yeah. But I would not say the extended is Not like markedly worse, but sort of like, you know, whatever. They don't seem enthusiastic about it. They're like, eh, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are a couple little structural changes, and a lot of it is there's some alternate take stuff. It's more just interesting of like when a movie's this much of a Stone Cold masterpiece, it's interesting to watch like slightly different alternate universe versions of it that make you consider how they got to the choices they did in the first place. I get very scared with that. I don't like it sometimes. I'm like, no, 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 no. I love my movie. Like, I don't want the different one. I think it was also not like, oh, this was his earlier cut that then they made him cut down. No, he was asked to make it. After the fact, they were like, do you want to stretch it out? Yes. We can, I think it's probably the dossier. We can mention it. But yeah, no, I think he, right. The film was so popular they were like, do you have more? Could you do an extended? Yeah. And he was like, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, no, it's, yeah. Still, it's still good, but it's not like a transformative thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, I, I just think this thing is so locked in. I was going to say, I don't even know where to begin with it. I mean, like, uh, like it, it, I feel like the stuff that I'm really interested in uh, about it, like I've actually had a really hard time finding a lot of comprehensive writing in English about kind of the the whole setting and the significance of setting this book um, called Fingersmith by Susan. Sarah Sarah Waters. Sarah Waters. Sarah Waters. Sarah Waters Waters runs deep. uh, Like, you know, the significance of putting it there and, and, you know, what that does to the plot without ever being like, it's never really didactic about it, but it's just like, what if we stuck this story in this different water, no pun intended, and let it cook? Ten comedy and, points. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that's the majority of what I've been doing to prep for this podcast is just trying to like, um, understand the sort of more rep- than my like gist of what's going on, um, really explored. But I, I mean, I just think. Well, the one thing I was going to ask you guys was, do you have any other, can you think of any other films that, or I guess any kind of story that does, that does this? That's an adaptation that, um, something so resets it. And the the one I could think of was Burning, like that, but that um, is another, you know. Right. But Thirst also does this as a less direct translation, but. Uh, when we were doing that episode, we we Therese kind of, Rackham. right. It's it's a closer, more direct uh, adaptation, not no, just a loosely inspired like... by, but totally transposed onto something else. I was thinking about this on the way in, but this is the kind of thing that more often happens with like Shakespeare plays, right? Right, where people yeah. are like, I'm going to yeah, recontextualize yeah, yeah, totally. this by putting this in a different era and a different culture and whatever, and it doesn't often happen with more modern adaptations. Uh, right. And and because like 
Old Boy is a pretty radical adaptation, although it's not changed as much culturally. Then Thirst is like a very radical adaptation. I assume this was just how he likes to work. And then what J.J. pulled up in his research was that like he was entirely preparing to do a more faithful adaptation of Fingersmith. Right. And then he found out the TV version existed. Oh, interesting. Mm. There's also, there's already a TV version. There's a Sally Hawkins BBC mm. miniseries. Sure, sounds pretty good. Yes, that I think I was... I want to watch di- that. Yeah. It sounds fucking the, good. The book is yeah. different, though, I will say as well. He had he did yeah. change the back half of the book quite a lot. Yeah, but, um, I, but I think he well, was going to do a, like, a British right? period corset piece kind of thing. Sure. And then I think once he found out that existed, there had already been a literal adaptation. Then he sort of did the creative. I mean, we'll dig into it more, but the creative exercise of how can I transpose this into a different place in time that adds some new layer to it. And then once he did that, he started making more changes to the story. And he and Sarah Waters eventually landed on a inspired by credit rather than adapted Mm. from, even though it is very much from the book. Yeah. Yeah. The first half. Particularly is very, I think, very close to it. Um, I haven't yeah. read the book. I've wanted to. Yeah, the first half is the same, and yeah. the second half is quite different. Basically, the big difference is they, she, they are not in on it when she gets put in the asylum. Like that's the, right. the he adds that later Interesting. twist. Okay, like that happens in the book. That yeah. happens. She doesn't realize she's going to get put in the asylum, and she know that the switcheroo is oh, happening. Right, right. And does the book just end with her in the asylum? No, no. no. Then they, no, they the turn do, happens they, later. But she gets out by herself. Gotcha. Finds her, and then a lot of stuff yeah. happens, and it's just it's just different. But um, yeah. uh, it does sound cool. I mean, Sarah Waters also wrote a book called Tipping the Velvet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which means doing something a bit naughty. I was going to say, that's um, the most euphemistic sounding thing I've ever heard. You mean something a, a fingersmith might get up to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it was turned into a, a mini series okay. for the BBC in 2002, written by Andrew Davies, who wrote the, you know, Comforth, Pride and Prejudice, and many other mm-hmm. like Tony adaptations. And it was so controversial because it had boobs. Fuck. In it. What? Fuck. And it was like, our government's Ew. paid for this? Yeah. Lesbians. Also, the amount of velvet they tipped in this fucking thing. Very expensive. The, the velvet budget. Was... Oh. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, uh, I'm sure it was a gigantic hit for the BBC, like despite all the yeah. Sure. yeah. And so I'm not surprised they also adapted his fingersmith. Let me give you some context. We're talking this stuff anyway. Um. So, yes, obviously the film that Park made before this is um, Stoker. Right. What do you think of Stoker, Emily? I like Stoker. I think it's I think it's a uh, flawed but a really interesting movie. I think um I think it's unfortunately like like horny in a way I I I can't even like deal with. You're allowed. <laughs> so. All green lights. What? It's Sorry. all green lights. It yeah, is definitely, yeah. you know, someone unfortunately horny. Um unfortunately <laughs> horny. It is rare. That would though, be a really I, I good name like... for a podcast. If I do like start a sexy movie podcast, I would call it unfortunately horny. I was gonna um, say though, I feel like few movies tip that scale for you. Tip that velvet. Tip that velvet for you of like yeah. unfortunately too horny. Um so <laughs> after he makes Stoker, uh he does make a short film called Day Trip. Mm-hmm. Uh which I have not seen. I, I assume you guys probably haven't seen that either does bring him back to Korea. 
but I didn't realize how much post-Stoker he was in the headspace of, I will continue making right. English language films. He's planning to make The Brigands of Rattleborge, mm-hmm. which we talked about, I think, uh, the famed S. Craig Zoller Western that has never <laughs> been made. Do you hear that sound? What's that? It's a ponytail being pulled and slicked back. <laughs> <laughs> that's a horrible noise that you're making. Well, that's what it sounds like every morning when S. Craig Zoller <laughs> um, have you heard takes of the, out the car wax, pulls the, that ponytail I've back with all his I've never heard of this before, my God. It is like, it was a number one blacklist script long ago. It was, I guess, how S. Craig Zoller emerged onto the scene. All right, stop doing it's that. It's a final time. I, I just, um, well, you have to stop saying his name. Uh, and, well, it must uh, be amazing. There's never been a bad script that's come from the blacklist. Exactly. So. Um, yeah. It is. Straight bangers. Well, this may well. surprise you to hear. Filled with extreme violence. What? Uh, which Weird. Park found intriguing. But also, uh, I'm sure the characters exist within clear moral lines. Well, apparently it's about a sheriff and a doctor who seek revenge against a group of bandits who use the cover of a torrential thunderstorm to rob and terrorize the occupants of a small town. I mean, it sounds pretty fucking good, honestly. Yeah. But, um, also uh, and also, like, if Park Chan Wook wanted to make an S. Craig Zoller scripted Western, I probably would be interested. Yeah, absolutely. I'd probably yeah. want to see that. But and, and that's what he said, by the way, was like, him making an English language film in the first place with Stoker was almost means to an end for him of, I want to make an American Western. That is what interests me. You wanted to make like a Robert Aldrich. My number one reason I'd want to even set a foot into the American film industry is to be able to make a Western. So he was thinking, I will use Stoker to finally realize that dream, but this film never gets made. Um, So we have also a um, crime film called Corsica 72. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, the uh, Bond guys. Yes. Um, which uh, was, I don't know, some other script he got linked to about best friends living on Corsica. One becomes an honest working man, one becomes a gangster, and they feud over a woman. I mean, sounds good. Sounds pretty good. Uh, I just want to uh, shout out credit to JJ, a researcher. He used the term of, uh, found the director getting a serious case of the, quote, attaches. For the first oh, sure. time in He's his career, attached to things. I think this right. is a good blank check term Ooh. for when directors, the, the post Pan's Labyrinth, Guillermo del Toro period of just like, I'm going to attach myself to 80,000 things. Right. Yeah. Right. Your hot okay. stuff. Yeah. Uh, yes. He was also attached to a film called Second Born, mm-hmm. uh, written by someone called David Yagernauth. Um, and uh, it's a sci-fi action film, sort of Philip K. Dick-esque. He said, we don't know much else about it. I don't know. Never happened. He was also attached to, or maybe he rumored to be, he yeah. was not. He said that this is not true, that he was rumored to be making The Revenant with Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel Jackson was trying to make a very different version of The Revenant story. Would and be he pretty was different because Hugh Glass was not Correct. black. Uh, right. Although, you know, sure. I think it was maybe more of a handmaiden style adaptation of the idea of someone surviving this kind of right. thing. Yeah. Um, he was sent the book. He doesn't even remember whether or not he read it. But the fact that the material had been sent to him for interest somehow got... Uh, circulated by the press as him being attached. Well, that's what I was going to say about the attaches. I, I think more often than not, it has nothing to do with the actual director. It's more like they're hot right now and anybody would like to be even rumored yes. to be working with them. To be on this right. list. I think they do often do that thing where like they send a script to the hottest director in town mm-hmm. and then reps will leak to the press. Yeah. They're reading. Blank is, is eyeing. Yeah. And it's like, it's a script on their desk. It's a yeah. thing in their fucking inbox. Yeah. Um, I'm, 
I need my electric bill for this month. Sounds like you got a case of the Attaches, Emily. Yeah, yeah. I just think it would be really interesting to recontextualize it in another setting. Um, (laughs) Eyeing? Sorry. (laughs) Stupid. Emily Um, Inkle's electric bill (laughs) refuses to pay. Uh, Um, All right, Fingersmith. Bafo Electric's bill. Yeah, go on. Book comes out in 2002. Mm -hmm. Uh, Booker Prize shortlist. Sure. Acclaimed Sally Hawkins BBC One miniseries. Yes. Um, and then uh, uh, years later, Sid Lim, who produced uh, several Park films, mm-hmm. chucks it to him and says, what do you think? He reads it, end of part one with the first of many twists. He's like, whoa, crazy. I mean, we've talked about Park loves a good twist middle. Yeah. That's already mm-hmm. how he likes to structure his stories. Yeah. So he gets to that point, end of part one, he must have just been like fucking hooting and hollering. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh, Mr. Vengeance a little yeah. bit. Like, you know, just that kind of switcheroo, like kind of handshake in the middle, which is always Definitely. very fun. I was and so Jason glad I wasn't familiar yeah. with Fingersmith before because I remember that pop, that twist hitting like insane. I remember people oh, yeah. gasping in the theater. Like, yes. it's so fun. <laughs> no, I, I went into this, I remember just being dead cold, knowing nothing outside mm-hmm. of yeah, it played really much. well at festivals and I like Parks movies. I knew it was based on this book, but I had not read Fingersmith. Yeah. I have still not read it, I confess. Hey. Um, but so I did not know. Yeah, I just knew there I knew there might be twists, but it's mm-hmm. sort of his thing again. Well, yeah. yeah. I dare say this movie doesn't just have twists. This movie's a goddamn bag of pretzels. This movie is a pot of spaghetti. <laughs> a pot um, of spaghetti. Routine more tangled, like. Tangled up. Well, that's fair. I keep my spaghetti straight and separated. Mm. Right. You don't cook it. I don't cook it and I lay all the pieces out uh-huh. laterally. Uh-huh. In front of me on a table, and I just bite into them one at a time. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Um, he also wanted, he was drawn to the idea of making a film uh, where the protagonists are two women. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, whatever. Woke mind virus got him, I guess. Um, well, I think we, we've talked about, but so like. I'm joking when I say that. I realize I should just like do clarification. And also, now. you're allowed to say that because you have been fighting a severe case of the woke mind virus. <laughs> this isn't you mocking it, it's terminal. Right, right, right. Right, uh, you're a survivor. You live with it every day. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is it is terminal and inoperable. Um, no, the the Wookmeyer virus did get to him, but he, you know, I we've talked about a lot of his career was him from old boy on trying to give his female characters more agency, center them more in the story. After mm-hmm. feeling like he used them as sort of plot devices or story functions in his first couple of films. Um, on top of that, he also said like he had wanted to make a queer film for a long time. And the thing he was looking for was a queer story that is not about prejudice, Mm -hmm. which is a thing that is really interesting about this movie. That it's like this is a movie with a tremendous amount of tension and dramatic stakes, but none of those stakes come from the fact that they are queer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's never really commented upon. You don't really get a sense of like from – um, from Suki, like if she's knows she's even a lesbian, like the before meeting, before meeting Lady Hidako, it's like it, but it just kind of feels like, well, I'm super duper horny for this person, so I'm just gonna roll right. with it because I, right. I can't help it. And that's yeah, it feels very liberated in that way. And even um, when our like uh, our, our villain, our cuck villain, the count, the count, because the, the uncle is even bigger villain in both a way, villains. right? Right. Um, uh, they're like the entity in Gabriel. Um, mm. uh, modern parlance, we all understand now. Uh, 
even when he it clicks for him that she is gay uh it it feels like he says it to her like i realized you're left-handed yeah (laughs) yeah right like there's no judgment about it as much as he is clearly attracted to her it's just like i understand you i had misperceived you his quote is um I was wanting to make a film that deals with the subject of homosexuality and I didn't want to handle in the way that the protagonists are pained or troubled over their sexual identity and they're grappling with society's perspective on them, that they're discriminated against, that they have to fight for their sexual identity. I just want to tell a love story about the character's emotions and how natural and organic it is. And that's so much of what I find interesting about this movie is it's like their love is in conflict with everything else around them, which doesn't have to do with their right. love in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, I think it would be a little hat on a hat to have that be an, a, an an issue for them just because there's so much going on politically and culturally and stuff there that um, in a way, yeah, the queerness feels more like a, 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 like a, a mode of freedom outside of this right. incredibly restrictive sort of setting that they're both in. It's like this one organic thing that breaks through out yeah. of this whole structure that's like not that deep also no it's (laughs) just like right it's like pretty just like visceral Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah um so sarah waters catches wind the park wants an after book she sits down and watches old boy right says i loved it because it was so gloriously excessive melodrama isn't the word really it's more greek myth Mm mm-hmm which I think is an accurate read. I obviously. think so. I think, well, yeah. Um, it's very, I think, story, I mean, obviously. I think, I think that's mostly what he traffics in is yeah. Greek myth. And I think that this film does a good job of kind of maintaining that. And I guess it's because it's based on non Greek myth material, it's not an original story, but I think it but still maintains that sort of heightened reality while having characters in it that still feel extremely real and not like they are creations for the purpose of a parable or something. I I would Um, agree with that. She said that basically her her publisher, her agent, whoever said like, hey, there's like some interest in doing a South Korean adaptation of Fingersmith. And she was like, oh, that's weird and interesting. I assume nothing will come of it. And that it was only then maybe like a year in when someone relayed to her, you know, it's it's Park Chan-wook, it's the old boy guy. And she hadn't seen his movies, but knew him by reputation was like, oh, I didn't realize it was like the guy yeah. wants to make this. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Park loves the book, the silver thumb thimble tooth grinding scene. He says he just, you know, he wanted to see that outside of the confines of the type page. We all uh, wanted to see that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Forky was like, what is she doing <laughs> when, when that scene began? I think because she wasn't paying attention. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I, there's, there's so saying, much here. We, we, the I, whole I can't sort of like uh, the way the movie plays with perception and seeing the same events multiple times right. and recontextualizing them. He's like, that's an inherently so cinematic, cinematic right. thing. You can do that on the page. But you're never going to do it better than you can with editing. Well, th- yeah, to take an audience back to the same scene with right. new information is such a delight, right? yeah. especially in this film, obviously. there's I guess there's always there's the fear that it will feel boring, but this film does, never feels boring. Well, no, it's also, I, th- I think yeah. that well, a cool thing in this one to go back and retread is is it's not just for plot purposes, although that's obviously, you know, the plot gets thicker uh, in the second section, but 
there's also just like um like appreciating the moments that you thought you understood before have a different emotional meaning to like you remember this one scene between the characters but then Yes, it's different for the purposes of the plot, but also you're like, I thought that character was feeling this way here because she laughed or something. But it right. was diff- like it was totally a different. I I read it wrong. Like I, you know, just because of the perspective that you have the first time, it's it's really cool. It's a cool. And story. you can replay the same footage, but just now the context of how you're viewing it is differently, or you give us extra time at the beginning and end of what we previously saw that resets it or whatever. Like that, it's just so effective i don't know he's so good at the this sort of like um i i'm gonna only let the audience know what i want them to know when i want them to know it right yeah and i feel like a lot of his movies the first chunk of it you are kind of purposefully disoriented which is a thing that's still difficult to do well which is keep an audience invested in a story they know they don't quite understand yet to keep people hooked yeah. rather than frustrated when information is being withheld from them. And then you get to the point halfway through or whatever where he starts like unraveling the thing, right? Yeah. And this is a movie where you think actually for the first whatever, oh, this is more conventional and straightforward than most of his narratives are. The fact that you were going into this understanding basically from minute 10 on the handmaiden's path into this world and what her objectives are and the count and everything to then have the thing where you think I – I think I have the full deck of cards in my hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know exactly what I'm playing with. And then end of part one, he introduces a second deck. It's yeah. like such a masterful trick to make you feel cocky that you understand the movie better than you do. Yeah. And then just immediately introduce all these new wrinkles into it. The only thing that would give you any, you know, whiff of suspicion that something else is going on is if you look at your watch and you're like, this movie is however two hours something. And we are reaching about the midpoint. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so Park finds out, yes, there's a BBC adaptation. The producer, Sid Lim, comes up with the idea. Why don't we move the setting to 1930s Korea? Here's I'm going to give you a lot from Park here, Emily. Uh, that may help, you know, mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. with context. Uh, the uh, You know, the idea being it was also a period of transition. The country was going through modernization. Here's Park. It was the time in history when modern cultures and modern civilization made their way into Korea. The idea of the mental hospital. In the movie, we say the mental hospital is located in Japan, but the very notion of it was so unfamiliar to Korean society at the time. Everything that came from the West came via Japan during that time. Yeah. So he wants to, f- yeah. you know, the idea of, like, everything filtering in through Japan. So, like, yeah. there's modernity, but it's also, like, coming in with this, like, cultural, you know, right. through this cultural prism that's not Korean. And there's um, sort of this, like, kind of almost, like, shark eating the shark eating the shark of this Western right. culture that sort of, in a way, not at all, like, I mean, these are very different situations, but it came to Japan very suddenly in a way that was not like hostile necessarily, but felt would have felt insane when, if, if you were there during the Meiji restoration, when Japan opened up and suddenly there were, you know, a zillion Europeans coming into the country and being like, Ooh, la la, I love Japanese stuff. And then, you know, and then you see the development of, you know, like Western style architecture and stuff in like around that time. And it must've felt, crazy and then you see kind of a similar thing literally with this house being this 
crazy Frankenstein hybrid right. of this Japan house, and, and, this, and Western English style. Exactly. Um, like the house is designed exactly to reflect that. There's a Western yeah. wing, Japanese wing. They've been mechanically put together. Yeah. It's this insane fusion of two styles. I rad and I would live there. That's incredible. <laughs> I wouldn't live there because the vibes It's cursed? Yeah. That does. Some good shit happens. Some of the, Where some you're like, oh, this shit. tree is so pretty. And they're like, yes, a woman died there and it took her soul. Yeah, and now like, it blooms beautifully. And I'm like, a lot of trees, and they're like so many that you never see the sun. And I'm like, is everything just kind of odd? It yeah. like, seems good, but is actually bad? A little bit. <laughs> I love the idea of like a selling sunset type tour of this house. Like, you know, the owner has said they would let you keep the octopus for an extra 20K. Um, what did the octopus do? Why was it there? <laughs> well, um, so, uh, right, right, right. The whole thing is ridiculous, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like um, the way that people work on the, who work in the house take off their shoes when they're in the Japanese wing, put them back home when they enter the Western wing. Like, Park loves all of this. Like, the library looks like in a Japanese building when you put inside, it's got Western bookcases. And then you go past that, and there's Japanese tatam- tatami mats mm-hmm. on the floor, you know, like all this stuff. Like, it's probably not registering for. American audiences in the same way, I guess. Oh, but like there is just something peculiar about the architecture yes. that probably even like a complete layperson can get that it's this is not like what houses yeah. look like. And it's not an out of again, it's not an out of realm of possibility idea. I mean, you know, the oldest neighborhoods in Tokyo have a lot of this sort of stuff that feels like you've got, you know, like I was saying, like you have both this Western influence and the more traditional influence in it, especially like a lot of fetishization of like French stuff and and, and English stuff and stuff. But so it's, that idea is not crazy. I think it's just, but it is sort of, I was thinking of like, it is one of these sets, especially that big hall with the tatami and the stage at the end mm-hmm. is like, is one of these sets that's just like so made for this story. Like every element yeah. of it is so specific to the story. I was thinking of kind of of like the the apartment in Old Boy as well. Like which is less the one that he's I guess, locked like, in. No, no, not the hotel. Well, yeah, I mean that's obviously a very specific plot necessary structure. But I guess like just the way that it felt so intentional, the way it was constructed, like kind of. In a, like knowing that in a very theatery way, knowing that a certain kind of set of um, events are going to unfold in this highly specific space um, yes. is yeah, it's cool. It's, I mean, the the um, like the 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 mats that lift out and have the water underneath and like right. yeah, all of that is so <laughs> so interesting. I love it. Obviously, this is also reflected in the brilliant choice, and this is not in the novel at all mm-hmm. of the subtitling. Uh, in being two in colors. two languages with yeah. two colors um, and the sort of nuances, which especially on rewatch, you pick up more and more mm-hmm. of when a character might shift. Uh, the torture scene at the end is the one Park cites where the uncle speaks Korean for the first time in the film during yeah. the torture mm-hmm. scene. Yep. Um, because obviously he mostly wants to come off as this Japanese, you know, yeah. man of taste he has like aggressive self-hatred for the fact that he was not born japanese i think he's pretty chill and i think he's figured it out (laughs) i think he's done a lot of work on himself he's clearly normal he knows himself i think you could say that (laughs) he's comfortable in his own skin his tongue is definitely black for good reasons yes yeah Um, gotta keep that pen 
Waters, you know, they pitch all this to Waters and she's like, sounds good, bro. I think you get the novel. You're going to leave it, you know, the heart of it, you know, intact. So Mm -hmm. go for it. Uh, Park and his frequent co-screenwriter, Chung Seo-kyung, do it all without any further, like, um, intervention. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do come up with the inspired by thing. Mm -hmm. And that's when they change the title. Uh, which is right. good because Fingersmith is such a specific title. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like very, that wouldn't very make any British. sense as the title of this. It does no. sound very British. Yeah. You're a Fingersmith, then, like yeah. you know. I don't know. <laughs> um, It'd be cool so, if they did say like if they did have to say the word Fingersmith in English, but they had to do that accent for it, and it wasn't like a third cover. It wasn't like in Fingersmith. Blue. She's like, can you have one English? Kid? So there's like one chimney sweep in the yeah. film for some yeah. reason. Bert. Yeah, yeah, Bert, Bert's there. Bert the Fingersmith. Um, the novel also, according to Park, has no comedy. Uh, yes. So he says anything that's kind of funny is him. Right. Um, and this movie is pretty, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It has funny stuff. There's a, there's a quote from him. It's in this, uh, chunk, if I could find it in time, but that his friend pointed out to him, like, you can never let a scene go on too long without throwing in some sort of comedic subversion. And he had never clocked it, but he's like, I think it makes me uncomfortable if something is too self-serious for too long. And so the more melodramatic the events of his film becomes, the more he feels the need to, like, acknowledge the absurdity of the situation or throw, like, uh, surprising behaviors in on top of what's going on, you know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's true for his other films simply because there's so much brutality and just, like, truly dark bleak stuff in it that if you don't have an occasional reminder of a director's hand of a writer's hand in there being like it's all like it's invented this is like i I did this for the movie like you know yes you kind of need that release every now and then to be like it's a movie it's a movie it's a movie like all these children aren't actually um dying <laughs> right i think david needs to be reminded of yeah, every yeah, one of these yeah. episodes we've done yeah yeah this one i was like there's definitely no child stuff in this one and there's just uh, no, a little smidge of it not just, great to this kid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh Forky ran out of the room. Literally ran out of the room. When they do the flashback? Yeah. Oh, the okay. Yeah. I would, I would, yeah. I, we can talk about it when we get there. But like I, we were texting about this day right about your, you know, your, your, your aversion to child death, which is really weird. Like, I think you should examine that. Yeah, but you should. I, um, but I, I. And you were like, there's no child death in Handmaiden. Problem with it. I guess, pr- no problem is the right, but it's more alarming to me in this movie for very specific reasons but we'll get there it's a very powerful movie in every way as well it's just you know you're really in it um apparently they consulted a a queer friend of uh his co-screenwriter uh seo kyung uh who demanded they include the scissor sex Okay. Because I remember, like, at the, when this movie came out, some people being like, did they have to scissor in the film? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, how much scissoring do people do? And I was like, come on, it's all part of the, like, opulence of this film. Yeah. It's so wonderful. They only um, scissor, though, with the bells. I would say that. And I feel like that might be a different sort no, of... No, they scissor before the oh, bells. No, that's they true. That's true. Yeah. When they yeah. have the, like, the meme when they're of going, the like, two hands. When they're going, like, you're natural. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. They're clasped like, hands. And, like, yeah. I feel like somebody should do the, the clasped hands. Like bicep arm. Meme oh, the with that. You, it's it's a uh, uh, right. Uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Carl Weathers moment. 
Yes. What if that <laughs> yeah. was the scene in Predator? Was they go in for the clasp pans and then they cut out and the two of them are scissoring? Yeah, that would um, be amazing. It's being like, we're right. going to catch the Predator. This, this dossier is too long and I can tell because JJ's apologizing for that in the dossier. Yeah. All right. So, I think there's plenty Kim, we'll get to as we get to it in the plot. There's a lot. Kim, yeah. Kim Tae-ri, though, we should uh, shout out, uh, who plays Suki. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's her first film. Yes. Um, she was plucked, you know, from uh, from thousands of auditions. Uh, well, 14, all right, 1470, so 1,400 something. He, he has a great line that I just think is uh, good advice to anyone who listens to this podcast and makes movies or inspires, aspires to do any sort of dramatic storytelling uh, with actors. He said, I would like to say one thing about the casting process. If you find yourself in a situation where you're wondering if anyone from the shortlist is the right person for the role, that probably means that none of them are right. Hmm. And they just, right, they auditioned over a thousand people and he just kept on being like, uh, a couple of them could maybe work. And then he like trusted himself, like, I'm not doing it until the person walks in who undeniably feels like they're the right personality match for this. Yeah. And even though it was someone who was pretty green and untested, he was just like, she's got the right attitude. Um, so she's never been in a movie before. Now, Kim and he uh, is red hot mm-hmm. when he's casting her. Um, yeah. And... Uh, you know, so that's uh, the uh, he's putting a total newbie up against a, a gigantic uh, star. I feel like, mm-hmm. which is like the um, right dynamic, perfect that you dynamic. Want as right? long yes. as the newbie can hold her own, which she like is so incredible in this. I remember reading that she it was her first movie when uh, when it came out, and I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" She's just like so confident. She rules, and I have not seen her in a movie since. She's big on TV too. She's in yes. a she's in a show called Mr. Sunshine, which is like a big Netflix. I'm grand aware film. of Mr. Sunshine. It's also set during the um it starts the annexation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Alison Janney. Um, no, and also she was in that film Space Sweepers, uh, which was one of those Korean films that uh, was like number one on Netflix for weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have not seen Space Sweepers. Interesting. One thing in looking at a lot of filmographies, um, both for this film and other ones that that you guys have been covering in it is like just how heavy a presence Netflix has in Korean entertainment right now. Yes. It's like, like everything, like every show that, and I think most, like, I think most of them are Netflix productions. They're not purchases. So I, yeah, it's, it feels like they very smartly saw that there was an opening in the market and an audience that was underserved and that this stuff had the ability to cross over yeah. and just started investing money early yeah. on the ground floor. Yeah. I mean, even this just being an Amazon co-production is really interesting because yeah. this is coming out of an era where right. Amazon yeah. is doing a lot of good in their film division, but a lot of it is taking 90s indie auteurs who can't get movies made anymore yeah. and giving them the money to make their thing that's been like lying on the shelf for a while. Yep. There are With so many frustrating yes. Amazon productions to me at this time because I... Refuse to have Prime. I will never pay for Prime. If I watch something on Prime, it's because I stole somebody's password. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said it. Bezos, arrest me. A, a terrible company that's done many horrible me. things. Um, but uh, yeah, this one is frustrating. I did watch this this time around ugh, on 
uh, what's it called? Freebie. So there were ads, but whatever. I'd seen it before, so it was fine. Yeah. I was, but yeah, yeah. Um, that's annoying. Um, um, the Suspirio is annoying. Um, Peterloo is annoying to have it be. Yeah. Yeah. I want a Peterloo yeah. disc so bad. I don't know if that I, exists, but I would love a Peterloo disc. I this, don't know that there is one. This was like Amazon's Annapurna era. Yeah, it, it was. Yes, it was. Them, like you say, oh, there's a blue, there's a Blu-ray. Oh, it looks like a it's Peter a British Lou? Blu-ray, but still. Um, are there zones I, for Blu-ray? I don't. Yeah. There are. Yeah. Although increasingly more and more, the sometimes region right, free. They're region free. Yeah. Um, and the 4K discs are always region yeah, free. You got to get that region free player. That's what I got for that extended handmade. Uh, point is, I feel like this era when Amazon and Netflix come in, Netflix started doing a lot of like the great unmade projects were finally going to give people the money to make their fucking movies, and almost all of them sucked when they came out. And the Amazon ones were mostly good. Um, yeah, yeah, like now, like the mutes of the world versus mute. Remember mute, right? And that was one of those things where it was like years of being like, why won't anyone give Duncan Jones the money to make mute? And then Netflix gives him the money. You're like, oh, because the script sucks, oh, right? Because no, it's no ass. one thought to tell him it was a, a butt script, right? And Amazon kind of did a run of really good auteur films before. Now they pivoted to doing whatever the fuck they're doing now. Well, didn't didn't I read somewhere that Citadel cost something like? What did it cost? It wasn't as I much as Citadel Rings of Power, but it was quintillion dollars. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing with Citadel was that they like made another version of it that they didn't yeah. air. They I don't essentially know. made it's, two it's full Amazon's seasons of Citadel. Amazon's idol, shall we say? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was. No. Citadel cost like like four hundred million dollars. Yeah, but it was good. Though. It was so this good. Is the sh- good. But this is the so shit good. that just makes anybody who's ever tried to get anything made in this fucking industry want to well, rip their eyes out yep. and quit and jump into the ocean look um, there's there's the, the phenomenon that a lot of these places when they're trying to get their foot in the door to be seen as legitimate the way they do that is presenting themselves as like great patrons right. of the art well yeah we are not looking to make a profit we are looking to enrich the culture and they hired ted hope who has like a great track record in indie film and sort of went like Bring us the guys who are struggling to get their films made in the current system, and mm-hmm. we're going to give them the freedom and flexibility. And then once they had their foothold, they were like, great. All we want to do now is Citadel. Everything yeah. should be Citadel. I mean, because all of these are going to be loss leaders. Nobody's going to make money off of these. Right. But it's truly – it's just PR to go to Cannes Correct. and have a film by Lynn okay. Ramsey or whoever there. And, and, and then like, also oh once you've, like, gotten that positive goodwill, then you're able to competitively bid for fucking Dwayne Johnson's Santa Claus action movie, Listen. which he wouldn't Yeah, because you know that Dwayne Johnson is a big Lynn, Lynn Ramsey head. He's, you he's know, seen more of color he like loves, 80 times. You're never really here. Getting, getting his office. You know who's in Citadel? Who? Stanley Tucci. The t- it's got a touch of the tip. Oh, here's, wow. Here's, wow. Here's, well, that must Leslie have been Mando half the budget. Yeah. yeah. You touch, here's, you something, know, here's something I want to float. Okay. I was having lunch with Olivia Craigad yesterday. Congratulations. And we brought this up. We had brought it up with each other once before. Okay. We think Tucci may have lost the touch. When was, when the was last, Tucci When was last the last time good? Tucci fuck, touched? Fuck. 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 Ben, get on mic. Hold on. We need to dig into this because I know so, Ben's going to have strong we're opinions like, here. Absolutely. Spotlight. Tucci was great. This is a necessary tangent. Folks, please give this to us. We have to talk about this. Okay. Since then, it's a, of, it's a lot of... What? It's a lot of... Okay. Now, okay. You guys I should do a, a, mini, a Patreon uh, mini-series on the, just Tucci Tucci's touch. touches. Because obviously... The man has pivoted into Italian cookbook, yeah, and like travel show sure. and all that. Yep. Like now I'm apron wearing Tucci, 
I'm making red sauce. We're talking worth, about pesto. Worth was he's, his last feature, it sounds like. He's pretty good in Worth. It's sort of like a version of his spotlight performance sure. where he's like the nervy guy. Uh, yes. That's about as close as I would get to like a classic no. touch of the tooth. Can I just speed no, round it's this? Tough. Whitney, it's he tough. was in the Whitney Houston biopic. Never he sure there. was as Clive Davis. Spotlight. Wait, arguably... what? Okay, I didn't see that. That's insane. Oh, yeah. Yes. Spotlight for me, arguably his best performance. I think he's phenomenal. He's wonderful in Spotlight. But then post-Spotlight, he does his final Hunger Games performance right. in 2015, okay? And then after that, here's his entire movie career. Mastro Cadenza in Beauty and the Beast remake. Merlin in Transformers The Last Night. Yep. The Children Act, Submission, A Voice in Snow Dogs, Patience, most of these don't exist. Rosamund Pike's A Private War, Night Hunter, The Silence. Like what the they, fuck are These are like exactly. all the movies that I exactly. had to review at yes. Vulture. Supernova. It doesn't <laughs> exist or it's a disaccess. <laughs> the Witches. Zemeckis is The Witches. Yep. What the fuck is Jolt? Uh, it was like one of those. It's a cola from not, the like <laughs> late nineties. Not I believe. to uh, invoke Amazon again, but it was like Amazon's, <sighs> you know, girl boss action movie. United Kate States Beckinsale. ambassador in the King's Man. He does yep. two promotional short films for Tangare. <laughs> yes, I mean, which you know, look, look, I mean, money, 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 money. Touch of the cha-ching. Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody. Clive Davis, seven yeah. episodes of Citadel, and then his most recent film is called Shalom Amore. I don't I'm even sorry. Know what that it's is. a podcast. It's a fucking narrative <laughs> right. podcast. No. So I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> oh. I, it's not like Tucci, you know, can't he, get it back. But he He's has a good that, actor. that. The last five years, he has the career. Actually, you could argue like the last ten to fifteen years, he has the career. Somebody that like some producer who just never actually watched a movie from start to finish in their lives is like he's British, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Ben. You okay. said he, the touch of the Tooch about. Captain America 1, right? Was that when you... I can't remember when you said that. <sighs> and it's, it's so like, long ago. After he was in that was truly when it started to be like, he works constantly. Yeah. And like, you know, it's sort of like some of it's goodness, some of it's like... Are you sure it wasn't in the Devil Wars Prada episode? Mine wouldn't I mean, that's Prada, where you I mean, coined obviously. your phrase that I think is so good of, that's the moment where we all decided he should be on money. <laughs> <laughs> that's the moment where it was like, this man needs to be on our currency. Yeah. Um, look, we all were in love. Here's what's most worrying to me. He's got two upcoming projects listed on IMDb. Yeah. One of them is the new Russo Brothers project. It sure is. The Millie Bobby Brown, Chris Pratt robot movie. And Mm -hmm. the other one is the All Quiet on the Western Front guy's new movie where he plays a a cardinal. I mean, that one looks like it'll be, you know, like Emily's saying, like some kind of, you know, okay, boring shit with British guys going like, Mm. but the cardinal said no. Actually, sounds really. I want him to surprise me again. No, I no no. I want him to surprise me too. As long as the series or the show is called. The cardinal says no. Exclamation. But the, the cardinal. <laughs> and I just want the best for Tooch. I do too. Okay, I found the episode. It okay. was the terminal. It was the oh, terminal. Oh, wow. Which, you know, I mean, not mm. a great film and but, not his best performance. But just but a little. You're just sort of happy to see him. in that movie. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And he's taking a, a the functional role and he's just giving a little, a little, a little paprika. Yeah. And then he was instead giving a little paprika to his freaking, you know... Meatballs again. Well, the Italian travel show got canceled, right? I I mean, how much how much can he be doing that? Yeah, I sure. Think it finally got canceled. Okay. There's a lot of regions in Italy, David. <laughs> I suppose so. 
<laughs> Do you think there are these like Italian grandma ladies who like make food on the top of a mountain and every six months like Eugene Levy's showing, you know, some celebrities like, hi, I'm here with Apple. We're going to fucking make some pesto on this mountain. It's like, OK, here we go. I heard I heard that searching for Italy got canceled because the cardinal said no. Ah, the cardinal. Ah, no. Keep the Tucci out. His, his output is so bad. I don't want it to touch. The Pope wants him to be in something good. He can't come back until he gets another Oscar nom. The Pope says maybe try to make another movie with Shalhoub. If it's on a streamer, we don't like it. He needs to work in with a studio. We don't have on the Netflix here. Yes, definitely touch it with the comedy. And definitely don't direct a movie with Army Hammer in it. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, well, can Russell Crowe visit? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, off the moped. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, The Handmaiden. The Handmaiden. Is set in 1930s uh, Korea. Mm-hmm. Korea is still under Japanese rule, right? Yeah. Is it 30s? Uh, okay, I was trying to... Yeah, so it's never that. specified, It's never Emily, specified. In the film, think. but apparently no. that is what... Uh, Park says in the interviews, okay. and that seems logical Just, to judging me by in terms the of the majority. Sort of. That's like your one thing that you can really. And you got cars. Um, you got obviously electricity. Yeah. You know, it was like twenties like, or thirties, big scale, I mean, right? Yeah. Um, there was, yeah. I mean, because it the annexation happened in nineteen ten. Yes, and then. There was like a uprising in right. 1919, and I think then that's like I think I feel like things got very aggressive after that. Like after the, 1919, there's a treaty where it's like formalized. Yeah, you know, I mean, not with the consent of you know Koreans. Really, oh no, but yeah, it, uh, yeah. Japan declares uh, that uh, it is in charge of Korea. Uh, and then they, they you know, Japanize, Japanize, I don't know how, you know, like the J- J- yeah. Japanization of uh, the country starts to happen, right? They're yeah. building railroads and they're yeah. doing all kinds of stuff. They're and, doing a um, little enforced industrial revolution in right. there and, you know, building schools and stuff and creating all this infrastructure that, you know, uh, it sounds great until you're like, oh, yeah, but it's all like with an emphasis on Japanese right, you better be there. Japanese, yeah, essentially, yeah. And or at least be. Uh, and then there's the the comfort women. Look, you look. This is yeah. all like immensely complicated, and that's I why mean, Blank Check is going to go all in on it. Six part miniseries. No, no, no. I mean, you know, like read read much more about this at your own leisure. Yeah, yeah. Is what I'm saying I mean, to our listeners. It's complicated in so far as like the like. I I mean, I do think that there is like debate or whatever about. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, you do build all these schools and whatever that do eventually after after Japan leaves, like they're still there and they can be, you know, actually controlled by by Korean people. But yeah, I mean, it it was not good. <laughs> um, no, um, it was not good, but it's yeah. left these all these crazy scars that linger in all kinds of ways on the yeah. country and the culture. Yeah. Right. And and on like ongoing relations. And there's really not much of that that we see. We don't really see the I mean, we don't really see much of the wider world beyond the house in no. in the film, um, except for like at the beginning and then near the end, once they're kind of on their little honeymoon and the mental hospital and all that. But right. like, I think there's one point that I always remember from this that is sort of a little splash of cold water on everything where you kind of do remember the context of what's going on, which is when they're on, um, they're on a boat. When, when is mm-hmm. that? 
Is it? It's after. It's after the wedding. I think after it's. It's when married. the count is on the boat with um with Hideko. Lady Hideko. Yeah, it's their yeah. sort of honeymoon. And you see trip. the men in yeah. the uniforms. Yeah, they're going. They're yeah. they're taking the boat to Japan, and yeah, and then the Japanese soldiers come and like surround them, and you realize like, oh yeah, this is this is the context of what's going on. Those those men have been fucking raping women for the last you know year or whatever they were there and and sure. they're now like surrounding Hideko and she's just obviously like incredibly uncomfortable about it and it's such a it's such a good like there's if you're going to be very selective about historical political stuff like that is such a good moment I think to you know distill everything um I I, I kept thinking while watching this movie of the thing George Lucas always said that like his grandest ambition with Star Wars was that when he was in film school and got really into Kurosawa that he was obsessed with the fact that those movies were meant for Japanese audiences so they didn't do any sort of like cultural context setting for the audience right and that he as a Westerner was watching these films like just dropped into this universe where he had to discern what the rules of culture were through their behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie, because basically the specific situation it devises is such a microcosm of this entire cultural moment of this house that is like at odds with itself, you're able to extrapolate so much more, even if you're not coming into it with any historical perspective of right. like, well, here's the whole thing basically contained within 10 characters in a contained space. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are some sort of comps that you can look to if you're not, like, familiar with the specifics of this time period. But I think, like, I think that the issue of, you know, like, the... um, uh, the, the uncle being the sort of, like, traitor, basically, and also just kind of trying to disavow his... Koreanness, yeah, this sort of fetishization of his, you know, of this, you know, occupying force is so specific that it's really hard to think of. Like, I mean, you you could think of people trying to deny their own culture or you know, you know, being ashamed of it for whatever reason. But there's something about it in this in this setting that I just think is so, um, yeah, it's very specific. Um, I'm curious about how it even works it in the no, original it doesn't. text. It's just, right. No, it's no. not. Yeah, it's not part of the original novel. There, you can do, you can imagine very, a sort of class like, obsession. The, yeah. But it takes yeah, like place a new during, money, like, old money thing. You yeah, know. right. Yeah. I mean, it takes place during like peak British colonialism. You're like, it could, you know, because I, I was I was wondering when I before I had read anything about the book, I was like, does is that an element of it? Because this is you know so much about colonialism, and sure, it's not, but. Yeah. No, I mean, but the thing then is obviously, you know, there are the people trying to act like aristocrats. Faking and there are people who are like, we are aristocrats. Right. We've been aristocrats for a thousand right. years. You can't fucking yeah, make no, it. Right. It's the old money, new money thing. Um, but there's this added element of, yes, what you're saying where it's like, it's not even uh, uh, cultural exotism. It's like the um, the jealousy of yeah. the culture he was not born into. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, in a very, very simplistic version, it's like, you know, you're being bullied. And so you try to emulate your bully. Yes. Like, yes. Right. Yes. I mean, very he's also said. a dirty collaborator who got a gold mine in exchange for helping the yeah. Japanese take yeah. over that's Korea. Why he's got I want to be this. clear. I think this guy sucks. You think? And he's calling right now. 
Okay, he's calling. He's blowing up our phone. What do we say? What do we say? Okay, uh, let's, okay, let's like word something this very neutral. Like, what's up, dude? Yeah, like, yeah. How's tricks? How's tricks? Yeah. Right. That's we don't want to. We don't want to appear to be too friendly, but we also don't want to put him on edge. I don't want to be on record saying anything. You know that you know in, in approval of anything he's been up. I don't want to condone anything he stands um, for, but I also don't think there's any reason to be rude for the sake of. To being be fair, rude. I think it would be hard for me to do that, but. <laughs> sure nice house no <laughs> yes no. <laughs> yeah because that's more of a compliment to the interior decorator than it is to him right um, but he did commission isn't it that he commissioned it or was it was it that it was two houses that were conjoined or was it i think it was I, no because they were talking about the architect like did this um specifically for him like right. including it's the, an insane know, thing he order. created because yeah, the idea yeah. of course of the trees around it is they will keep the son from um you know hurting his precious books mm-hmm. yeah. because he's a collector of books yeah. especially uh dirty porn yeah now these books uh suck ass uh, hey. bad. i don't know some of them are no, no cool. kink shaming in this house yeah exactly um, um but he's definitely got a I, bit I'm of sorry, a weird I think mindset we're allowed about to kink them. shame this guy at least for the, the way guy. he expresses sure. wait yeah. okay before we get into the the porn um yeah, you want to hear something fucked up that i read when i was i was trying to find some background stuff about this that um include like along with the colonization and the neocultural takeover and everything the japanese introduced like cut down korean trees and replaced them with japanese species of trees that were actually like i don't know about invasive but like really threw off the ecosystem ecosystem right um, I just was reminded cool. that no, when you're talking about the 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 trees, and I was like, yeah, I, it, it was so like that. Just it's like so total, and so like that just feels like an insult on top of injury. It's so dumb, but anyway, um, <laughs> this dude, yes, this dude's obsessed with books, and he's in this weird position where I always get a little confused trying to parse this, but he's basically bankrupted himself. On his book collection. Yeah, he's an idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. He's using his gold mine money, which he right. barely, you know, earned. Yes. He, he didn't earn it. He has On it. all this insanity. Yes. Uh, like, I mean, barely. Like, it's like he doesn't know how to run a gold mine, probably. No. He's no, just no, no. He's using all the money from that to build this crazy house and buy all these books. He I, now truly is, like a, a dirty book addiction that now he is funding by forging books and right. selling the forgeries. forged copies of the books he owns to buy more books um can and you imagine so, like the japanese general or whoever who made this deal with him to give him the gold mine and they like check in on him 20 years later it's like i wonder what that guy got up to like what did he make of himself we gave him that glass. i'm in my octopus basement don't talk to me <laughs> um so uh he um has now hideko is his niece uh obviously right and yes. um uh, she he married a Japanese woman. Right. And um, the fortune lies with her. And he is sort of raising her to eventually marry her so that he can get the fortune all to himself. Correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Normal, She's raised by her. Stuff. Raised yeah, by her aunt. Like, marries this horrible man. Right. He basically. Drives his aunt, her it, aunt to insanity and kills and her. Sui- yes. What? Right. What, what is presented to her as a suicide, suicide but she realizes murder. was a murder. Uh, and then he's like, it's no problem. You slot right into that position. And when you come of age, I will marry you. Right. Um, and meanwhile, like, oh, we'll do all kinds of horrible things. 
And so he's sort of like a C plus D minus, you know, kind of person. I give him right? an F. I give him an F. I, I think and he's actually about like, as bad as people get. Like okay. Five point yes. five. Right. Yeah. He's like yeah. a pitchfork five point five. Great. Maybe that's great, the most damning thing eyebrows. you could say about him is um, he's very mid. Uh, he's super mid. So um, can I talk about the eyebrows? Does it have say PG thirteen. Yeah, it does. It's cool. a great rating. Um, I, it's it's a decision I love in this movie so much. For a film that is so twisty, right? The actor playing this character is about 40 years old, I think, at the time of filming this movie. Mm-hmm. The, the uncle. The uncle. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they just give him big old man eyebrows. Yeah. Stark white, Doc Brown wig. And don't even really, like, put prosthetic wrinkles on his face. It's more like like theatrical like shit. stage makeup. Yeah. yeah. Like, he doesn't look that much more convincing than Hidako does no. at the end of the film. <laughs> No, and it feels right. It it feels very like um, archers to me. Mm. Yeah, the the filmmakers. Yes, right. Where it's this owning of like theatrical communication of visual ideas that this film can exist in a heightened reality with like very honest, complicated human emotions, things like sexuality that didn't exist in this sort of heightened, more theatrical, like pre-method era of filmmaking. Yeah, but. Yeah. But you just accept this is a fucking old guy. Because I'm watching it and I'm like, is this going to be part of the twist that he's a young guy pretending to be an old guy or whatever? You're like, no, you just cast <laughs> another evil and weird thing and inexplicably right. I want to be old. Yes. <laughs> I also um, just think like the yeah. well, the first time we see him, which actually takes a bit of time because, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is with the snake? No, she can't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The first yeah. time we see the library and all yeah. of that. I mean, there's a zoom in on him as he's like, licking his pen or whatever and it is so (laughs) alarming and so i mean i i remember i looked at my old review for this which um is not uh don't read it maybe Mm. i don't know i hate my i hate my writing and all of it um but uh, i did i did write down looney tunes a bunch which i in general i think is like a i think of looney tunes all the time when i'm watching park but um but yeah, that that is one of those moments where you're just like, whoa, where'd that guy come from? Okay, he's a character in this movie. Well, that yes, so- and it's like a different visual language than any of the character we've seen. Like, here comes a guy who feels like he's out of a Tim Burton movie. So I want to yeah. talk about that moment because yeah. as a way of talking about this sort of first chunk. Of you this know movie what it because- reminds me of? Sorry, sorry. It reminds me of the bear in The Shining. Like bear in that the shot. Yes. Yeah, the yes. zoom. And you're just Absolutely. like, oh my god, something incredibly perverted is happening here. And, yes. Yeah. Right. You're going into this movie. You get this setup of, okay, that's the situation over there, uh-huh. uncle, niece, you know, money. Yeah. In comes the count, a con artist who's like, I have gotten inside of this and I'm going to marry the niece, right? Yes. And he's like, I need a lady from your Fagan-esque den of thieves. Right. Of, you know, baby farming and female pickpockets. Yes. To come and pretend to be a handmaiden to part of my scheme. So if you're just watching this movie and you're like, all of this is normal. There are no twists coming. I get it. That's mm. what you think the con is, correct? correct. Mm. Right. You're watching the movie. You're with the handmaiden. She's the she's your point of view character. Yes. She's getting to know the mistress. She has nightmares, mm-hmm. right? She's, you know, getting to know the lay of the land. The other maids are mean. Right. Steal her shoe. Yes. All this stuff. She goes down to the basement. Crash zoom into the count. 
him being like, there's a snake. There's a fucking snake. Yeah, right. Right. And they're like, get out. You know, they draw the bars. And so you're like, okay, so is this movie about they just thought they were going to steal some stuff right. and get one over on a lady? The twist is clearly going to have to do with what is this guy's fucking right. deal? And the twist is actually you don't understand all the crazy shit that's happening right. in here. Now, of course, yeah. the layers of twists are, no, no, no. Actually, there's a lot of awareness of what's going on. Right. But that alone is such a nerve jangling. Yes. Things are not what you they seem. Yeah. Let's zoom out moment. But I, I agree it's with you. It's the first moment of true yeah. like excitement. That bear moment in Shining, it's a similar thing where you're like in a film that's setting up an incredibly bizarre reality and then fairly deep in, it suddenly shifts the language of its own reality to yeah. something that feels more expansive than what yeah. you thought before. And it's like, yeah, I think it is important that the guy is doing Crazy such... Looking. Also, he it, looks insane. Like He that's, looks amazing. He looks that, insane. But it's also like a very heightened, unrealistic performance, which yeah. isn't to say that it's not a good performance, but it's like an entirely different pitch. Yeah. I mean, it goes from this thing. It feels like, I mean, whatever. It feels like kind of Hitchcock. It feels kind of Rebecca. You're like, oh, a spooky house. Like somebody died. You know, there's there's women's madness is 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 haunting this house. And and then you get to that and it just up it ups it to, yeah, something more both concrete and fantastical and it's just the it's just the editing of that like you see the room you pan down this insane room with like this what's going on here there's a library and then there's like it's tommy room at the end of it you see him you see i know how insane he looks and then there's a fucking snake and then the gate and all this and it's just like bam 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 and and you have to be like it's purposefully just completely overwhelming and disorienting and it's so it's such a good moment and you've already Um, set up this thing of like uh uh literacy being a big thing in the movie from almost the beginning right and then this idea of like she keeps on going with her uncle to have these like reading lessons to do these like practice readings yeah and performances and it's that's the thing it's lessons so much the movie it's like yeah whatever she goes she goes down she has her lessons sure right and then it's pretty deep in that she starts to say like you don't understand how stressful this is and you're like what's the weird thing going on here what can i comprehend about what's going on here but it is a little bit of a uh it's not a distraction because there are like reveals to come from that but you're like no but he's keeping your eye on off the ball of every scene you've seen is actually taking place in a different plane of reality than you think because Obviously, the, the fundamental thing about this movie is that the male characters, mm-hmm. the men, if you will, suck. Ha- cannot they they cannot account for the women around them having intellectual capacity or like you know any kind of right. smarts. But at right. the so same time, is, they are like they're mo- completely motivated by self loathing, whether it's about class or nationality. I mean, like yeah. both of All the of main men in this are are well adjusted, normal, well well said. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, are, go ahead. Are, are, they're are Korean. Korean. Men they're both Korean. Who yep. you can forget sometimes because you know, as you said, Uncle never speaks. Uh, never speaks speak Korean speak until the very Japanese. very end, and yep. and and the the quote unquote count is mm-hmm. which. Oh, also like his name Count Fujiwara. Like it's yes. kind of fun. It's like very. Like, you can't believe anybody will actually fall for this just because Fujiwara is, like, one of the oldest, like, um, fans, like, the most noble family from, like, Right, it's like know. if I called myself Lord Windsor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, You're right. like, oh, wow, Mr. Must be really important. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> right. It's just funny. It's like, oh, yeah, this is this guy who's this, you know, he's a working class whatever you know he's he's trying to you know jump up and jump up in social status and he's like i pick that name <laughs> and 
It's great. These grand old money bags. That's what his yeah. name is. Rich Uncle Penny yeah. Bags. Yeah. yeah. They're like yeah. creating, obsessed with creating these false sort of uh, personas for themselves of the types of men they wish they were and how they were perceived within cultures, right? Yeah. Uh, and which cultures they wish they uh, that, were in. But then their other obsession is like looking at women and trying to shape them into the women of fictional, fictional works. Yes. Yeah. They, the women are just, right. I you mean, want there's literally a wooden puppet them. in this movie, obviously. Right. And, yeah. you know, they're, all of their sexual desires are about control and such like that. But also they just can't actually think that these women might be do up to anything, yes. right? right? But then also the women can't account for each other's naivete and we can't account for their naivete at first. Like yeah. we're getting veils lifted for us over and over and over again. Yes. And with each veil lifted, you're like, right, of course, of course, of course. And the men, of course, are the last to figure it out and they only figure it out when they're smoking poison together in a basement <laughs> yeah. with no windows Look, at the end. And they're like, ah! Both of these and guys. And they're like, but at least I have my penis. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I say it, both of these guys, uncle especially, mm-hmm. they're they're down bad with a, a horrible case of the Don John, where they're so obsessed with what they see women do in porn. No, David I is know they got up, porn right. Walking away, <laughs> right? They got porn right, and they're just like, why don't you act like the women in the porn I watch? Yeah, yeah. Or in this case, the porn I read on fancy scrolls yes. and right, lick my know, lovely uh, yes. uh, woodcuts and right. so on and so forth. But even it's it's not even why don't you act like this? It's I demand I shape you into this. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's and it's it's the irony of it of this. You know, you have the, this Japanese colonizing force, and then the lone actual Japanese person in this house is the one who has sort of been molded into this role and set up as this object basically to watch and to like get your rocks off about without ever touching her really there's Mm -hmm. no as far as we can tell there's no actual you know she's unspoiled uh, technically or sure yeah but i mean but there's no he's not touching her he's not being you know there's no assault or anything like that she is but that, like, there's a need to be for him. There's something about this whole kink of his that is so much about having this unattainable object, basically, that he's created himself. And it's very. Which um, he even says to the other rich guys of just like, there is no amount you could pay. Yeah. To be yeah. with her. Yeah. Like, she, it, it is just like aggressive objectification that well, is are, also trying. hitting her, aren't they? What physical? Well, there's oh, like, yeah, there's sure. like the lash. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's it. I um, guess but yes, they're yeah. not having sex with her. No, and uh, the hitting her is also like part of this weird and then power. She's hitting them sometimes. Fantasy yeah. of just like, well, you're watching this very proper sort of like quote unquote pure unspoiled young woman mm-hmm. recount the most like perverse shit mm-hmm. to right, you. Right. Yeah. And then the only and physical they sit contact. They tuxedos and twirl their mustaches. Right. And yeah, then the only yeah. physical contact you're allowed to make is like essentially physically punishing her for misbehaving, right? right? right. It's like if they were to then have sex with her, it would make her dirty versus her describing the dirty thing to them and then them like she is a child like spanking her bottom and be like, you use bad language. But I think the more interesting thing is them, uh, uh, her, you know, whipping his ass because then you have this, I think that is the more... I think that, you know, you, you can kind of do the, oh, you can, yeah, you can whip your bot- her bottom for a hundred bucks or whatever. But then it's like, the real thing is to have this, again, like perfect woman, uh, this unattainable woman that you've, you've 
basically trained to torment you psychologically mm. and physically in this in this one scene like that this is some sort of literal self-flagellation that you right, are enacting through this woman um the highest level yeah. is punishing yourself by allowing her to hit you for wanting to fuck her yeah yeah yes. and and then when you add on all the the political and cultural baggage on it it's just I mean, yeah, it's fucked. It's just like a stake to me. Gumbo. I'm just like, this yeah. is so interesting. And the first time I watched it, I was like, well, this is before everybody also got all into um, erotic erotic thrillers and stuff like that again. And I remember thinking while I was watching, I was like, this is an erotic thrill. Like, this is exactly like the kind of movie that we've like been missing for forever and ever, and that nobody really, you know, certainly but makes it's an it erotic language epic. Like, yeah. and it yeah. is. You know, I mean, what what I well, I think what we all love and miss about the cheap '80s and '90s erotic thrillers is that sometimes you could just have a movie that was like, "What if a guy and a girl like fucked when they shouldn't have?" Yes, right. You know, like right. what they could be, they could be real nothing. Right. Um, yeah. This is a, a be- beautiful film. Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly complicated series of dynamics. Yeah, you're just talking about one element of the film right, right now like there you know well like, i mean there's... i think the one i guess the one that i thought i was thinking of was was just basic basic instinct because yes. of because of the element of queerness because of you know the sort of uh, like complete like incredibly tenuous relationship between a man who thinks he has this woman you know under his sure. thumb and then you know constantly being but yeah when, but yeah it's, it's very of, of playing roles which is a big thing i think that comes up in most of park's films is mm-hmm. like sort of the how am i supposed to behave or what do i want to convince other people i am right versus yeah. who am i really you know if yeah. i even am able to answer that yeah the the additional layer one of the many additional layers on top of this that's so fascinating is like as she presents to us at first, it's like, well, this is someone who is so beyond sheltered that she is basically, like, stuck in a permanent state of, like, mental adolescence, right? Yeah. Like, she has just been so cloistered off from the world. She is so out of touch with her own sexuality. The Count is trying to, like, tell the Handmaiden that her job is to, like, quietly try to, like, sexually mature her. Right. Because she's not even in a state where she right. could need, be seduced to him up. marrying her. Right. Uh, yeah. right. So there's that whole thing. But then you find out in fact – and then when you get to the reveal of what's going on in the basement, the library, whatever, you're like, okay, so it's – her sexuality has been taken away from her because she is forced to perform it for these other guys. So she has no sense of her own sexuality. And then you realize, no, the her not having a sense of her own sexuality is the performance to the world – while well, I like don't. I don't tongue. think she does. Like, I, I do. This is this is one of the things I think. It doesn't make this film not work for me. I just think it's sure. like I, I feel like I have a different read on it, which is just that. Like, I think in many ways she's still an innocent, and I think that if you're meant to think, oh, she's this, you know, saucy minx because she reads erotica to these men, I what I take away from it is that you can you can read filth and porn every day of your life for the benefit of somebody else and 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 get in all these weird sex positions with yeah. a mannequin on stage and stuff and still not have a sense of what you your want. You can be exposed to sex all it, you, all that a person could be and still, you know, when she realizes that she is in love with Suki, it's like, 
it still feels like a revelation. And there's something about it that feels young because of that, because she hasn't actually done anything that she wants to do. Um, But the scene where the Count comes to her and says, like, let me flip over my cards. My plan was to seduce you and then, mm -hmm. like, send you to an insane asylum. Um, But I realize now I can never seduce you because you're not interested in men, basically. Right? Yeah. A lot of movies would make that some, like, realization that comes to her later only through falling in love for real of like, I never had a chance to even understand or consider my own sexuality because my sexuality has been like foisted upon me. Whereas instead, even if it maybe hasn't been expressed, it's very clear in that moment that she has some clear sense of at the very least what her sexuality is not and what it Mm -hmm. is that has not been given a chance to express itself. Also, like, There's how could not you not necessarily... be repulsed by all of right. that if that was what you were getting from, like, age six or whatever? It's like... Sure. Yeah. It's probably not going to leave you with the healthiest opinion. Of right. Yeah. But I think there's not a sense of of searching in her. And I think what's so interesting about the second time you see the first scene where they sleep together, when you understand that this was one of her moves, that it was her yes. objective to seduce Suki. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That I I think that is the moment where they fall in love with each other. Of course, that like yeah. it, it is. They are both they're both attracted like, to each other and interested. This is good. Compelled. This is fun. Like this isn't just other. performance or yeah. whatever. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, it's, it's so clear both times where it, it's right. She keeps right. on saying you're a natural, but right. the thing is just like oh, this is you. You said it better. I was Do just going to rephrase everything you just said. Do you yeah. think this character should have one good male character? This film should have one good male character who's kind of like, I'm nice. I'm a cool guy. You know what? I just hate the idea of little boys watching this movie and not having any character to look up to. Now listen. There are no positive male role models in this film. I just yeah. want little boys to be able to see themselves on screen. They're just not we've, relatable. No. Um, we've, yeah. just, we've kind of skipped over the first part of the movie, but the first part of the movie is not really worth the discussion after you you've seen the movie, you yeah. set it up. I mean, quickly. other exactly. than the, you know, I mean, but but plot wise, sure. But I think set. like when you, yeah, I think you know stuff like those those pivotal moments, like the reveal of the uncle, um, yes. you know, Road like break, like course. the first sex scene. Um, one the thing I really time like, you see the sex scene, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Like uh, I I one thing I did like is that you know, well, okay, so so Hideko speaks in Korean, which you know. It might just be for the benefit of the <laughs> of the and, uh, main intended audience for the movie, but also like it's it does seem like she does want to separate herself from her Japaneseness just because of the way like almost in rebellion to the way her course, uncle fetishizes right, right. it. She doesn't want to be the puppet mm-hmm. her uncle is turning her into. Right? Yeah, yeah, but then you know, so so all of their scenes together um, are you know in in Korean, but. When they are in that first sex scene, when she's like supposedly like, show me, you know, show me what a man wants on his wedding night, which is like, you know, (laughs) I just think it's it's so It's in a lot of the literature I've written (laughs) about various fictional characters I'm interested in, you know, exploring in more depth. Blank check press. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but, you know, the the one, like they, she does slip into Japanese just to, you know say this is what the count would say which i yeah. just think is so in like that is the the and it's like literally when she's about to go down on her um and <laughs> that's when she switches into japanese which i just feel like i i don't even i just think it's like a very interesting choice because mm. you know suddenly there is going to be this like girl sex act and it's kind of couched in this um 
in this language and still like the 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 presence or influence of this man um so it feels like kind of a it, it is like a means to get to having sex but i just think it's yeah it's it's really interesting well, you, look to lay it out as cleanly as possible right like fake count who's hired to help forge the books for this guy who drove himself into debt with the book collection but you get to the point where they have this sex scene they yeah. clearly make the stronger connection sure and then uh but you still think this is all just part of a game but, but suki starts to feel conflicted about i don't know if i can put her up to this right and then there's the sort of test where Hedeko asks her, like, if you weren't truly in love with someone, would you still recommend that I go marry right, someone Right, or if else? I was in love with someone. Right. Yes, right. sorry. Yes. Yes. And there's sort of like this big test where you just think it's the offense of her not fighting for her love. Right. After a couple scenes of, like, uh, uh, Suki is, like, trying to interfere with the Count making moves on her, but she keeps on jumping in, and he's trying to stop her from ruining the whole fucking gambit. Right. And uh, and then when he th- when she thinks it is finally the move where they are going to get her committed to the institution. Of course. In fact, everything is flipped on her. Right. Uh, they uh, make them think that uh, that Suki is the lady, and with that a delusion she is of being gone. Dotty. The right. thing you can she- that tips you off to that the switcheroo, and I I to be fair, I only noticed this the second time around, but I did think it was weird the first time I saw it that like when they're on their honeymoon in Japan, they're dressing up Suki like a like a like not like a Japanese maid, like a, like a, she's wearing like a kimono, she's wearing like a nice outfit, and then when they take her to the the insane asylum or the the, the sanitarium or whatever, uh, she's there, you know, talking about the countess and you know like you're clearly meant to be set up to sound delusional and she's wearing this costume and they're like she thinks she's japanese it's so it's so weird and sad like they take her on their honeymoon like they sort of like force her into the psychological thruple knowing that she'll feel like she's the stronger emotional part of this but if she didn't so suki actually knows what's going on which is the later twist right yeah yeah. If she didn't, she would seem so stupid here. Because yes. it would be weird if well, you yeah. knew, like, the plan is to put her in the asylum. Can you put her clothes on for one sec? Yeah. Can you just uh, dress like the Countess, though? Just We're just trying well, something out She doesn't out here. know what's going on until late. No, no, she knows what's going on. No, she does. Like, when we yeah. go, yeah. When, yeah. The, when, they, when they The flee, final flip, though. Yeah. She knows, she knows that she's going to be committed. They know what's, on she knows what's going yes. on before yes. they. No, she knows um, way before. Before they leave. Yeah. When they escape the house. Okay, so my favorite scene in the movie. The hanging. Is the hanging on yeah. the, when she hangs herself just, in the tree. My question is just when that happens in the timeline. Well, but it's not. They haven't eloped. It's, it's right. Before. No, that, that yeah. happens right before right. they right. elope. It's, yeah. that, you're, the, no, you're right. Because right. it's, sort it's of after they have her... the conversation on the eve of them getting. Right. I'm yeah. sorry. But yes, the hanging we don't you know, see until the second part. We don't, we don't yeah, see until the second part. So obviously. You see the tree in the noose. You don't see her After this flip, right, we you know we run it back. And now we see everything through Hideko's at the end of part one is I've always said she's a rancid bitch or whatever. The, yeah, she's a nasty yeah. little bitch. Whatever yeah, she says. and then we cut to um, baby. But, uh, but I do want to go back just, just I mean, because yes, just plot, 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 plot. But I want to talk about filmmaking, you guys. Do it. <laughs> I want to talk about the, the running away scene because I, I just think that the, there is, um, it's a cool, and you can't really talk about it with talking about the second time it happens, but, but when it goes into them leaving the house and going to meet the count, uh, you know, in the boat and whatever, um, right. it goes to this, this sort of 
crescendo. The music swells in a way that it has not up until this point. Um, right. it, and it's very exciting because, you know, they're running away. And in the first part of it, we know we know that, the, you know, this is very this is going to be very pivotal, like the, the, this, the whole plot is coming together and all of that. But it does feel like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Suddenly this is a lot of movie. Like suddenly this is this is um, very operatic. I mean, and yes, the movie has been very big up until this point, but not in this sort of like period movie, like swell of two women running across a field and sure. Um, and all of the that. colors popping. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I remember I remember the first time I saw the film in that scene just being like, this is okay. It was it was different. I guess it was about the time where I was like, this is gonna be one of my favorite movies ever. But um mm. but that scene also was just so I was just like, this is the most entertained I've been in so long. Like this is just so it's such a movie. It's so yes. great. And then when you see it the second time and they're making their escape, and this time we've seen the hanging. And know that now they're in on this plot together. together. Right. They are really in love and they're right. both, you know, consciously in love with each other and they are going about this switcheroo on the count intentionally. Then you're like, oh my God, that's why it felt so big the first time. I just didn't have the whole picture. But like right. their performances in that scene are so ecstatic, which feels not quite earned yet right, when it's that, like, the first time one of them through? should be plotting to commit the other one to you know, yeah I, both of them think they're plotting to commit the other you know, yeah yes. yeah. No, and, yeah and but then when you see it the second time you're like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> like i, I um, remember right. i in a coward's move i like that this year when we did our blanky award episode I gave a special commendation to both of them instead of nominating either one because I couldn't decide oh, which one yeah. to put in. I didn't put both of them Lily in. Lily-livered. L- truly. Uh, and I-, I think part of it, too, is like I maybe saw the movie twice that year when it came out and then watched it twice again recently. But it's like scene to scene and certainly like act to act, you change your estimation of which performance is more skillful and complicated. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're perfectly matched too. They are. Yeah. But sometimes you're just sort of like, well, this is the more complicated one. Not that they're not like totally in tandem. Kim Tiri is so natural and charismatic and pretty and bubbly. Everything is on her face. Right. And there is a part where in the second part. Yeah. There's a a part in the second section where, you know, that Hiroko's narrating and is like why is she so like readable why right. she's yeah. not trying to hide any of this she's not like, doing a good job she's stomping here. around right. and being mad when we're out on our little painting walk like why why can't she just be cool <laughs> and yeah but then that's ultimately the thing that's attractive about her is that there isn't yes. there isn't all this you know ulterior motive and people are hiding behind hiding behind all these different layers of of, well, and there's you know. the scene where she grabs her by the cheeks and says, "Like your mother was happy to have you know, yeah, like, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that's very like naked and emotional and yeah. like genuine." And she's like, "How she's come all- a man has never been like this around me?" I don't know. Yeah. Again, why aren't there positive male characters in this yeah, movie? Yeah. Writing at parkchamwalk at gmail.com. Well, if you're just a little boy watching this, who are you supposed <laughs> to want to be? Kylo Ren? I mean, if you're a little boy watching this movie, you're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah, little boys should definitely you're be watching You're off to a great start. Mm. Can, I, can I read a, a park quote I really like sure. here from a film comment interview when this movie came out? 
He said, everything that I want to say with this film is probably in the one scene where the women are jumping over the stone wall mm -hmm. and notice how low the wall is. Mm -hmm. Had she ever <laughs> oh, wished, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Lady yeah. Heideko <laughs> could have always jumped over that wall, but the deep-rooted emotional trauma inside her was holding her back. And then this person, Suki, enters her life and she's able to find love. And through that love, Heideko gains bravery that allows her to jump over that wall in a single breath towards freedom. She also how builds well a little stairs with her, for her with the suitcases. So she does need her help, but it is still... <laughs> like they can do it together and it's no problem yeah. no and yeah. so much of it's a matter of perspective about yes. things feeling insurmountable yeah. okay right. yeah. so as we're seeing things from her deck I just want to my favorite scene is when she tries to hang herself yes so but we see from her perspective yes as we've all been discussing that she is far more self-aware than the, the conversation of would you tell me to marry someone if I was in love with someone else and before you think she's just hurt because she's in love and now you find out that this is the ultimate test of I know she's trying to con me right it, does she care more about her the money? Yeah, or, yeah. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm Can we break this ruse together? Like, right, right. yeah. So then she yeah. goes from that into despondency, hanging herself. You see her She's... drop off the branch, and then she doesn't fall all the way. She has an odd reaction, and then it cuts out to the wider shot, and Suki's holding her by the legs. It's so funny. Weeping. It's so The good. immediate, because you feel so hurt watching that scene yeah. the first time. Sure. The second time, it's, like, beyond painful. Yeah, it's like a gut punch, yeah. Right, and you're just like, I don't want her to do something this but awful. The and then the fact thing. that she can't go more than five minutes without coming in and saying, like, I need to tell you everything. But, uh, yes, yes. But uh, just the physical comedy yeah. of her holding her. Yes. And her being like, you know, I'm conning you, like, you know. And then Hideko being like, you don't understand. I'm also, you're, we're going to put you in this scene. Right. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Uh, Suki drops her. Like, yeah, God yeah. damn it, you yeah. fucking asshole. And then <laughs> it's like, oh, actually sorry, sorry. Right. And has to like pick her back up. Because of like the widest shot, you just see her like squirming and scrambling. Suki's just sort of like pouting around, stomping uh, her feet. It makes yeah. me laugh so much in what is like the critical, dramatic turnaround of the film but it's that yeah. balance of tones that's just like that thing that he gets at i don't know it's once i just weirdly <sighs> kept on thinking of colonel blimp while watching this movie i get that and i think part of it is like the vividness of like the colors and the sets and like right. owning the colonel artifice had that basement of the movie <laughs> yes the octopus. he's got that weird basement and the, uh, the younger people playing older people and all this sort of mm. stuff but i also think it is that thing where like you watch those pal and pressburger movies which you and i agree you watch them and you're like these are like the best movies ever made yeah. Yeah. and part of it is that like they just owned it was like Everything that a movie could be yes. and every single tone you could put into a movie mm -hmm. and just having like epic emotions and stakes and set pieces and comedy yeah. and danger. Just maximizing and it's just like every element. Everything. The sound. The Oh, my God. The sound in this movie. This is another thing I was going to talk about. Like, And this is this really you start to really notice it um, in that kind of in the undressing scene when they're. Um, and it's which goes on for a long time where they're talking and you know taking turns undressing one another and it's not it's not sexy yet intentionally but it is just because we are hearing like every fiber on the laces of the corset coming off we're hearing that the the earrings like um like like clack in this very very noticeable very like tactile it's almost like asmr right. um yeah and he's... and all these and and when she and also when she's dressing her for the first time and there's the whole thing about the the ladies or the dolls of 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 the the maidens or whatever like you know that she all this is for my pleasure um 
as she buttons up, you know, every single little button and we hear this just the sound of the foley is 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 so amazing. And With the tooth filing. And then this movie. Oh, has the tooth the, filing, yeah. We, we somewhat, skipped over the tooth filing entirely. Look, there's the tooth filing. There's I mean the initial comedy <gasps> of she puts on the bra and she's like, God, this is like restrictive. And she's like, You think that's restrictive? And then you cut yeah, to the yeah. middle of her just going like you know, pulling like the corset. Yeah. And she's like, ah, like, yeah. you know, like rather than doing that in a gentle and sexy way. But no, he does no. have that thing. He is such a sensual filmmaker yes. in that you can like hear the difference in textures. Yeah. Yeah. In in any scene and whatever's happening. And then uh, I'm just going to say it. This movie has like the best uh, uh, sex fully work. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, sure. Right. The best sort of squishing. There's a lot of squishing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, it's a good sounding movie. It's just a thing that most people stay far away from. Like, they're yes. like, I'm going to put the soft music in over this and just right. completely remove that element out of sex. Well, this might be a good time to talk about the sex scenes in general, because this was kind of the one sort of controversial element, I think, about discourse. it at the time yeah. it came out. Wait, why? There was some discourse. There's some discourse over the sex scenes in this. And I remember mm. they did a discourse? being they a little a discourse. ambivalent one way or the other. I can see I could see the points of criticism. And I think every time I've watched it since then, I kind of I'm more and more like, no, I, like I, yeah, <laughs> every decision in this movie was correct. But 100%. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think but there was, you know, there was a, an argument to be made that the sex was sort of male gazy and very you know intentionally framed and very you know have sure. all these full body shots and actually like this is what a lot of people said about blue is the warmest color when it came out and i think it i think that that film is guilty of that i i did I not agree. like the sex scenes in that movie but i think I that there is because of the context of the story because of how much of this plot is about porn and erotica yes. and like the um yeah, the 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 like you know the the Shunga prince and stuff. Um, that uh, that the the framing becomes kind of an echo of that that they are reclaiming in a yes, way. Yeah, and I think also it's as so you said, David, you need to see the acts to see the difference in their behavior and their emotions, in that they are not performing well, yeah. and they are forming this meaningful connection. Well, the first time it feels that it's shown to us in a more limited way. Right. And you're still like inside of a con. And, then and the it second starts time, out as role playing right, with both of them conning right, each other. Right. And then the second time it's like this dance sequence that's like beautifully yeah. choreographed. It's choreographed. And yeah. it's like you're watching two dancers who are so good at dancing together, which which yes. is obviously not, you know, something you can automatically be good at, right? Like they're 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 naturals, like they keep saying for each other. But like not to get too horny on Maine, but it is that thing of like Are you gonna bring up Alfalfa again? Yeah. This guy <laughs> fucks. Alfalfa is an absolute poon hound. You can get as horny on Maine and if you like. Maybe cut all of that out. Nope. Here's what I was gonna say. Uh it, it is that thing that is, like, hard to define or talk about, but when people look for, like, sexual compatibility in relationships, I think it is what this film depicts very well, which is two people basically finding a way to communicate non-verbally. Right. Well, right? when I have sex, it looks like this. I mean, oh, absolutely. Awesome. Same. I've never had sex that doesn't look like this. But it's it's that feeling of, like, in a movie where – and Park talked about this. This is a talkier movie than most of his films. This has That's significantly true. more yeah. dialogue than most of his films, which is why it's important in, in movies that where he is going much longer 
having characters express themselves primarily through gestures, through looks, through actions. This is a movie where people are talking around each other but constantly lying, right, under, like, three different layers of performance. Right. To have this moment where suddenly, like, they're both conning each other. On top of that, they're playing a role-playing game right. of mm-hmm. pretending they're, you know, at least one of them is a different person in this sexual encounter. And then when that falls away, and especially the second time when you revisit the sex scene again, and it's like, oh, no, this is the moment where suddenly they are communicating things to each other that cannot be communicated through words. It's sure. a thing David Fincher always says where he's like, my big read is that people use words to lie. I think most dialogue isn't about people expressing themselves if a script is good. It's about people using words to trick each other. Wow, yeah. cool guy. Maybe I, mean, maybe the, 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 the role that language plays in this, not just the Japanese and the Korean, but the fact that um, learning to read has this power that is mostly shown as being used for violence. Right. Um, and that there's this library that is like this like gate. It's like this prison. Um, right. For her, like they, you literally have to walk through it, and there is an actual physical gate and stuff right. in order. You know, that she has to go through that in order to escape. She and then they have to destroy this collection, right? In order well, to escape, was... which is yeah. But it, you're I'm marking that for a second. For but but that um, yeah, that all of this has been used as a means to trap this woman essentially, and yes. that in a way though it is not enough just to get away from it to establish a life and a world and a you know sexuality outside of it but in a way you have to almost incorporate it's like you have to take a little bit of the poison in with it in order to make it your own and 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 like their passion is real their love is real we believe in it we believe in the first time through like I, i i mean i think i think that her actually falling in love with Hideko is, yes, you're kind of like, oh, come on, you idiot. Like, why are you doing this? You're going to ruin the whole thing. But it's because it is, like, it feels real. Yeah, she's still trying to con her, but the love is real there. Well, you're also, like, initially, like, well, you're not going to get away with it. Right, yeah, this is not going to work out for you. It's impossible. But, but, yeah, we believe that. But, you know, and I think the first scene with them, when, you know, they first, you know, there's the kind of first seduction, like, when they're talking about what the Count would want. Mm -hmm. That is much more conventionally shot, I think, as a love scene. Minus the... vagina cam at the, the very end the, the, yeah. the pov <laughs> but the p means something different yeah um, and the v means something different. <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah then after that though there is this really kind of almost self-aware staging of the of, of the sex scenes which is to me just feels like okay we are in like we are submerged in this world of of this like purposely structured for men's pleasure kind of erotica mm-hmm. and porn right. and all of that and we're going to make our own version of that and it's not the structure of it that is it is that is bad or or that's harmful to us it's the point of view and and we are going to reclaim this for our own you know our own pleasure and 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 satisfaction as two women as and do it outside of the, the power of these men and well, so I, that's why i think that the framing yeah. of it and the formalization of it and these like symmetrical shots and everything are are are, are important yeah but yes. sex is also like a big part of his movies but often these sex scenes in his films are the least erotic parts of the film right <laughs> and something like stoker the peak of the movie is like them playing piano together where yeah. he's able to come up with this sort of like 
this act that conveys the feeling yeah. of being in tandem with another person or the anticipation or the thought of it versus a lot of times I feel like his comedic scenes are a little bit comical. Like kind you mean of his other sex scenes are kind of comical? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, in other films. Right. Yeah. And then in, in this, it's like, uh, it's not the opposite, but it's like he needs well, them to be... There I, is I a kind think... of humor, though, in in how unguarded they are in yes. this. Because it has been all these, like, careful little tiptoes around each other. And the fact that they're just so, like, helpless in front of each other. That they, like, are just, like, I, you know, there, there's no holding back any emotion. It's sort of like, you know, watching somebody eat an entire candy bar in, like, one bite or something. You're just, like, watching there's something so human and sweet style. about it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, um I, I, we don't need to dig in on this, but I'm just curious because I was thinking the same thing about like reading a bunch of the reviews of people at the time questioning whether this scene was male gazy. And I was thinking about blue is the warmest color as a comparison point as well. Am I wrong in my mental timeline that this movie comes out around the time the pieces were coming out? Probably true. About the actresses oh, on Blue and the, is the Warmest Color yeah. talking about. Because that was a thing where that movie came out, plays a con, everyone was like, you will not believe the intimacy achieved on screen. Steven Spielberg gives both of them the, the palm special, door along with yeah, the director. Yeah. And then within two years later, the entire narrative of that movie is different. Yeah. And and both to do an archipelago, I always get her name wrong. Uh, we're sort of like, we didn't feel comfortable. This felt exploitative to us. So it almost felt like when this movie came out and people were raising like questions mm-hmm. about the sex scenes, it was this defensive. Yeah, we, like, we don't want to be fooled again? again by this shit. Right. Case something really, be- you know, nasty was happening I, on I, set. I, I don't or... know. It felt a little reactive to me in that sure. sense. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that totally could be an element of it. I mean, I now I want to look up if that is annoying. I agree. Throw everyone movies. into the sun. Now God, can you imagine though, like if that came out, like, when that came out in 2016, before this one came out in 2016. Um, but it yeah. came out, you know, I feel like. Well, when it was at the the theatrical, because I I saw for it what? for this, uh, like October, October? 2016. Yeah. Okay, so um, immediately yeah. before everybody lost their mind. lost their was goddamn yeah. minds, cool like and yes. normal. It was yeah. one of the last normal weeks. Yeah. Um, yes, Jesus. this is the first film I saw at the Alamo Draft House. Oh, it was wow. like opening week of the what Brooklyn Alamo Draft House. Don't remember. Oh. Burger? Okay. Uh, they didn't have a special handmade menu? Okay. So uh, part three place. of the film. Uh, we should mention, right, part two concludes as we see their sort of, you know, their genuine affection and their con- genuine conspiracy with each other. Uh, we Yes, they go into the, to the basement, into the library. Right. And trash it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, fun. if you look it up, Griffin, it's not helpful, I okay. promise. Yeah. Well, but the movie I, came I, out in looked, 2013. I it think did. it feels about right. Well, they talked about it as early as 2013. So I don't know mm. that we can put an exact date on it. I still they, think this movie being in the I wake think that's of the reappraisal. What it is. That's it's all just I'm saying. generally, exactly, that, yeah. that, that that movie became this sort of like touch point of like, yes. right. But yeah. they destroy the library. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they they find that movie that the Blue's the Warmest uh, Color Guy made about butts. They find yeah. it in there. They throw it in the <laughs> river. Yeah, they break the cri- Criterion disc in half. Right. They're like, remember when they said this was a bare bones release, but a special edition was coming later? They're and then the special them. edition never did because the movie got canceled culturally. Right. right. All yeah. that happens. But they that's a very transcendent a moment. They're like, can we still obviously. find the tweet where they said the special edition is coming? They find Burt Cooper's octopus drawing. <laughs> uh, they don't like that. That yeah. actually does happen. But obviously. they do like Mad Men. They talk about like, that really was like... 
a golden age of television. In retrospect. Right. We didn't know how good we had it. Um, There's a lot of dialogue in this scene while they're trashing the library, just weighing in on... I wish I hadn't started this bit rolling. Pop culture of the 2010s. So, as part three begins, we have the Count... Yeah. ...with uh, Hideko. Wait, I want to talk... Sorry, sorry, sorry. I I know this is going to be three hours long, but I just want to talk about that scene, too, because I, I... I do, and I. It actually still gives me pause watching it now. Um, just the image of these women basically like doing the opposite of a book burning for a bunch of mm-hmm. uh, porn, destroying which... high end fancy stuff, yeah. erotica, Gentleman's prints, erotica. all of that. Um, yes. And you know that does. That rings an alarm in my brain. I don't... I understand. I know exactly what you mean. Like it, you know? And I think that divorced from context, it is something that I feel like could be, I don't know, like misinterpreted or something, especially because you have... These are the tools of her oppression. They are the tools of her oppression. makes sense that she wants them destroyed. Specifically. And I think it's very specific to the character. And I think, you know... (laughs) And I think the the way that you see that bear out in the film is that this film is incredibly filthy and clearly really into sex. Yes, I do not think this film is shamey. No, no, no. But Uh, I think that, you know, I guess it just... And I, I, one of the things I need to stop doing, especially since I stopped being a film critic, is like thinking too much about what other th- people will make That's of a film. The advice I give to everyone at all times. Yeah, Don't worry yeah. About but morons. I mean, I think I always have in mind, especially then you're like, you can anticipate a stupid discourse that's going to happen around course, something. Right. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, the idea of these, you know, two queer women destroying porn as a you know as a means of their liberation it just like that can be so misconstrued and i just but i don't think that's what this movie is you're doing. watching no. if you're watching the movie i think you understand what's going on but yeah, I think yeah the yeah. other yeah. the other element of it as well is like this is coming right after uh haideko explains her childhood to suki basically like yeah. finally unfolds all these things right Yes. 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 He's right. saying here's what's actually been going on. Yes. And, and you Suki's know, my dirty old uncle is sort right. of like this anger stemming from I am so upset that there was no one in your life to protect you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like she wants to destroy the past that she couldn't prevent. Yeah. And the trauma that she couldn't stop her from going through because like here's this person who like had her her mother and her aunt taken away and a guardian who then abused her. Where it's just like, how was no one keeping you safe? How was no one caring about you and mm-hmm. worrying about your best interests until this moment? It's like it sh- there needs to be an outward physical display of like. Yeah. But Brooke yeah. Cooper did watch the scene and that's why he dies in Mabin. Yes. Um, well, yeah, look. it's her. It's her. It's the one thing that she can do to actually prove her, you know, devotion to, to taking right. care of her. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Well put. There's the sequence to begin part three between mm-hmm. the Count and Hideko. Mm-hmm. They're in a hotel room full of money. He has this line when they're at dinner that I love mm-hmm. where he's like, I don't even dream of money. I dream of being able to order wine without looking at the price. Look, Describing the difference king. between being <laughs> rich and being wealthy. Yes. That's what that is to me. Like yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. Even a rich person might check what they're ordering. Yeah. A wealthy person doesn't even know what things cost. This guy could get upsold a steak by some stupid waiter <laughs> who tells you it'll be worth it when you pay for the sides. The money you save for not buying the sides. And he wouldn't even flinch when he got that bill. And he wouldn't hold a grudge for probably the rest of his life. Wouldn't become a no. recurring bit on the podcast no. he produced. It or wouldn't become like a that. story he has to retell at his birthday party to every single person in <laughs> attendance. 
His friends wouldn't get text messages to this day. Yeah. What did the state cost, though? Do you know the actual number? <laughs> it's okay if this is an invasion of ben, privacy do you like and you this can't movie? share it. Do you like Handmaiden? I did. I loved it. Yeah. Had, Had you, you seen, seen it before? before? Nope. Oh, man. Congrats. Fucking saucy one. Owns bones, in my opinion. Absolutely. It was a great way to start the day. It's hot stuff. <laughs> you did a nice morning Handmaiden? I did indeed. <laughs> That sounds Cup like of, a like a euphemism for stuff. Cup of Joe and Handmaiden. Though. Yep, I spread <laughs> I it out over two nights. This this rewatch. That's what I did with the extended. Yeah. I watched I watched the uh, the theatrical like two nights ago, and then I I did the the extended uh, evening and, and morning. Did you split at the part one part two? Yes, yes. I did exactly. See, I mean, yes. it makes sense, but I just don't know how you would start. Like, I would just want to keep watching. It, it's but it's just, a lovely. Yeah. But but there's such joy when you're doing something like that where you're like, ah, a treat awaits yes. me tomorrow yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. You know? Also, I had stopped it after already watching a previous well, you'd a version of it the night it, before. Right. Right. Well, I, I haven't like, I can seen it in a couple of years. I have rewatched it. I want I, give me a 4K of this movie. I, well, I know. Yeah. I saw this. Amazon. I saw this like two times that year, and then hadn't seen it in eight years. I, I mean, uh, Criterion was doing a lot of uh, Amazon releases for a moment there. And yes, the North American is out of print, and the extended's never been released, and they should put out a new disc. I just wanted to shout out the interiors and the fashion. Uh, oh, wallpapers. Gosh. I mean, Park does good wallpapers always. But I mean, just he's going hard on the wallpaper as usual. The architecture, yeah. the the suits. The mm. guys do Oof. look pretty cool. Yeah, especially oh, the amazing. white yeah. bow tie. Yeah, eyebrows. Such a good look. Uh, but I think he like eyebrows. purposefully, you know, kind of also looks like. A, a poor person's idea of a rich person like you know that kind right of, he's like, so he's too snazzy fancy. he's like got spats right, right. on or something you know <laughs> yeah yeah well um, when he's found so he you know obviously he uh is uh, she she gives him the knockout drops and he uh right. collapses That's the thing he promises her as, a, as a wedding her. gift right her greatest fear is having her what little agent she, she has going to the basement take yeah. it right. right doesn't right, want to right. be in the he's basement like, so he goes, if you marry me and the worst case scenario, everything goes wrong, here's the ability to kill yourself through drops or at least yeah. knock yourself out. Um, but when he gets knocked out and then the guys find him the next day yes, uh, and he's got shirt, no pants, but he's got the the garters and he's got the garter belts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's so fancy. I just oh, like I love I, I love that shot where he's like. He's almost like lounging, like a like a and like just a. Like, mm, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you mind throwing me though? Can you have me my pants? He oh, basically he's delivers so hot. A, he's so uh, hot. I'm in trouble, aren't I? <laughs> uh oh, you guys look like a fancy fake samurai. Uh, yeah, and it's like oh, this is just his take security detail. This is the this is uh, the uncle's yeah. security detail. Right? These like, like fake ass idea. samurai. It's yeah. like right. so that's funny. The, he's like, I'm so Japanese. I have samurai in the 20th century yeah. who are my bodyguards uh, or whatever. Ever. Um, the third part's really pretty short. It's really just them uh, it's a, it's going down to like the basement and smoking yeah. a cig, right? I mean, because yeah. at yeah. this point, the girls are, are they got fun. the money, they're on the boat, right? They forged the passport, right? She's a man now, yeah, in the passport, right? Don't worry, I called into every office. They will not allow any two women to travel together, right? Right. So <laughs> easy like, to forge a passport, by, right. them, by the way. Yeah. Also, so easy to apply a fake mustache, right? And uh, and then well, you just have this incredible. I mean, I think I'm watching this movie the first time, and I'm like, okay, so are the girls gonna like, you know, go ham on these guys? Be gay, do crimes? Well, no, right? You know, like we're gonna get in the torture chamber, and they're gonna be like chopping these guys up. And oh, it's like, well, no, they don't even. Like they do torture each Mr. other. Mr. Vengeance trilogy. Right. I know. 
And there's so I mean, but there's something that's very, you know, by the end, you're like, okay, we got our guys in one room, like right. truly in the most miserable, awful place you can imagine, smoking yeah. poison cigarettes, cutting it off each other's fingers, just like just like killing each other literally yeah. but also just like that's that's the bed they have made for themselves and the bed that the ladies have made for themselves is much nicer you should right say. and yeah. and the uncle is kind of like indignant and self-pitying and the count is just like we fucking we had this coming yeah like um, can you really be angry? he at least has the awareness of, <laughs> yes. like yes yeah well, the uncle is just like so you had sex with her though like what was that like right he's like really pushing that yeah while yeah. chopping his fingers off, with losing a big blade. his mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. losing his mind over it, and it's like the perfect. You know, this is all he wanted, though. He would yes. like all he wanted was to hear about what it would be like to have sex with her, right, from yes. somebody else. Um, yes. and he can only understand it. You know, he's again, he's porn poisoned. He's well, yeah, um, it's all weird Madonna horror stuff where it's like the second the the women you're attracted to perform your greatest fantasies they are sullied in your eyes and yeah. the eyes of these men who want to keep these two identities of yeah. of women separate but it's also the arms length thing and it's like i don't right. i don't even want this vision this fantasy to be sullied by a woman's presence or her real no. like you know consent or anything i want this to be told to me by a man um, and be like, and be like two degrees away from it, and that's like what what's gonna really get me off. And yeah, it's just it's such a it's such a interesting way to embody his own shame at his identity and what he really wants. Because that's again the thing that separates him and the count is that they are both pretending to be Japanese in this yes. movie, but the count is doing it as a means to an end. He, right. you know, doesn't really he have... He really just wants to uh, be able to order He doesn't want to be Japanese. Price. He's doing it so he can get this money. Whereas... Yeah, to impress the guy who wants to be Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When, and, and and he is just completely blinkered and ha and delusional at this point about who he is. Um, you know, it's like the 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 shame, whatever, whatever, you know, part of him wants to disavow being Korean is so metastasized by now that he can't even, like, it, it's his whole identity. And... That's sort of what separates them in the end. Um, and of course, he's laced his cigarettes with mercury, mm -hmm. uh, and it's producing a lovely and very atmospheric sort of blue-tinted smoke that yes. uh, kills them dead. Mm -hmm. um, kills the shit out of them. Yes. Yeah. I guess he wasn't inhaling, because I'm like, how did he not die first? Well, but he is moving it around. I don't know. It's but just a also, perfect romantic ending. Oh, I just great. love, yeah. he does like three cigarettes in like five minutes, right? Yeah, he's right. He's really puffing them. He, like, and there's no windows up. in there. If I'm the uncle, I'm like, no, I no cigarettes. Right, identified yeah. this. Yeah. And they do yeah. do Chekhov's cigarette because we see the blue cigarettes in his case before when he's yeah, being right. carted off by the fake samurai. And he takes the three normal ones and smokes them all together he at once. He smokes them all together like, and they're again, like, again, Looney Tunes shit. Uh, <laughs> and, um, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, we've also seen that he, you know, he, he hand rolls and he draws dirty pictures inside of his, his, his cigarettes, yeah. which is, yeah, you know, yeah. extra decadent, I suppose. And while this is happening, cut to the girls on a boat putting the balls in their yeah. uh, vaginas. <laughs> yeah. Having a great time. I don't think there's any better way to put it. I mean, in the <laughs> canon of great bell cinema we've yep. covered on this podcast, it's really this and the Polar Express or the two great <laughs> Can You Hear the Bells movies. I've been sitting on that joke for two days. I'm glad oh I didn't God. forget. I wondering what that was going to be. Can you hear them? 
Jingle jangling. Um, now, speaking of shame, yes. it is worth noting, as I believe you already alluded, Emily, that pretty much as this movie comes out, a few weeks after it comes out in Korea, Kim and He's affair with Hong Sang-soo, the uh, prolific Korean director, um, comes out, and she is like a ruined celebrity yeah. in Korea. Because this of is it. like the peak of her stardom. This is was this going to be the launch to like her international right. stardom? Yeah, right. Yes. And then like the rumor hits the press, the two of them come out and publicly acknowledge it, and then she has since then not worked on a non. Well, she got dropped right? by yeah. her management. She got I dropped think. by her yeah. right. Um, her management company lost her endorsement deals. Right. Yeah. Uh, she made a movie. After right after this with Hung Sang Soo called On the Beach at mm-hmm. Night Alone, which Emily, which you and I saw together. Oh, yeah, we did, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh which did I think is such an amazing movie. I did Best Actress Blanky that year. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh and uh and she's been in like she's pretty much in all of his movies now. Yeah. I mean the man. And they're all like, kind of meta about her. Right. Uh, that one is very that meta. one's super that one's the most directly um, but, meta, but yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of that going on in them. And uh she remains an incredibly compelling performer, but it is crazy how like modern Korean, contemporary Korean society is so uh nervous or anxious or disgusted by infidelity or divorce and things mm-hmm. like that well, that like she I don't can't think work he's been anymore. able to get a divorce. He's not actually that's part divorced. of it. That's part of it. Right. Um, right. So you know at first uh, it was divorce that you know, was rejected by the court. Yeah. Like yeah. which that's wild. sounds cool. Yeah. Um and uh you know Kim says we love each other with all our hearts. We humbly accept everything, situations ahead of us and that will come. Um there is some that's love baby. I wow. know there is some rumor that it's not entirely just like, you know, like that it is partly just they've kind of just decided to do this. Um, but who knows? But there was decided an, to do an immediate backlash. Just work together and fuck right. it. Like, you yeah. know, fuck everyone else. Like um, post-scandal. But um, uh, yeah. very strange and ridiculous. She's I, incredible I in this. I hope for her sake that they in, never uh, hit the rocks because no, you can only be in... That guy's movies, well, yeah. Look, if you're gonna only be in one director's movies, be in Hong Sang Soo movies. He gets to be in three movies a year. Yeah, he's just gonna. uh, Yeah, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge Hong Hong head. It's it's uh you know. It's uh, I like him. He's good. Haven't seen the last you know six or whatever. AKA twenty twenty two. Yes, um, but yeah, no, that's crazy because you know I and I think that that scandal was largely not did not really make it over here. So I think no, a lot of people no, was saw that movie and are like, "Well, oblivious. what the hell is she going to be in next?" Because she's so amazing yes. and gorgeous and just like such an incredible presence. And the answer was a bunch of Hong Sang Soo movies. Now, Griffin, did you know that uh, Park initially intended to shoot this film in three D? No, are you Isn't fucking that crazy? Oh are you kidding me? They should have just um, done 3D for the crotch shot. Fuck. That would be cool. Um, because he thought the house was so cool and yeah. maybe he could have emphasized the perceptive perspectives of characters in a pronounced way. They couldn't make it work financially, he said. 2016 is, I feel like, basically the tail end of any serious filmmakers taking this on right. as an experiment. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, like, is there something to be done with 3D? And I, I'm waiting for the... Fifth wave of 3D. It feels 3D without being 3D. It's fine. Like definitely, it it's yeah. it's popping off the screen. It's, it's a popper. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. It was shot um on digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, though they used some anamorphic lenses from like the 70s to sort of augment that or whatever. Uh, Park still thinks film is superior to digital, but you know, 
whatever they often will say that and then they'll be like it's cheaper it's easier to control it's you know like you know we understand did i um, correctly that it was at the time of its release the mm. highest grossing south korean film in the united states mm. parasite has now obviously mm. outgrossed it many I, many there's times no over. way that's true because it only made two million dollars in the u.s because it was an amazon film yeah they kind of only gave it a limited release where was the status they at like, least put out no, the the films, though. Amazon they used to did. put them out. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. freaking Manchester by the Sea made, I mean, like, a lot of money. Like, they used to make money sometimes. And, and Love and Mercy... No, not Love and Mercy. What's it called? Love, Love and, and Friendship. Friendship. That made some money. It's that, true. Like, quietly made, like, $20 million. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that one at, like, Nighthawk. Kind of weird. Um, that was an Amazon, too? That's weird. That was an um, Amazon. Yeah, well, that, that, they, it was, like, Whitstone and Spike Lee. <sighs> There's crazy. a few other... Like Lonergan. These, Lonergan. Lonergan, you know, yeah, like, these yeah. guys where it's like, hey, do you, you want to make a movie? Yeah. Um... No, but I think this movie, is, I am always surprised by how many people I know who are not necessarily movie people who aren't even necessarily like, yeah, they're not like big park heads or whatever, but they have seen this. Like, the, I think this movie is fairly well seen by, you know, a general yes. movie going public. Sorry, um, my stat was wrong. It was the highest grossing park release domestically. That makes sense. The film I mean, Elgar uh, Stoker became the highest grossing Park Chan-wook directed film in the United States. Hmm. I don't think, well, did Stoker really do that badly? I think like, Stoker did could, quite badly. Stoker did, I mean, we, and to be fair, we talked about this on an and episode. And then Old Boy, like, only like, exploded on DVD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It did outgrow yeah. Stoker. No, it did. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're talking 1.7 to 2. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's not a wow. huge Still? jump here. Yeah. Um... So, uh, what was yes, the budget uh, on this? The budget on this film was uh, ten. Sorry, oh. yeah, eight million. Oh, okay, like nine million dollars U.S. Uh, it made like forty, mostly in Korea. Hell yeah, that um, is all up on the screen. That's amazing. Yeah. Was that was is... big in the U.K. as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, um, premiered at the Ken's Film Festival. Mm -hmm. The Kenes Film Ken Festival. Ken's Film Festival. The Kenes Film Festival. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just Ken. Uh, George Miller's jury, um, God, I love you, George. Mm -hmm. You're a oh good man. Uh, decided to take a big poo-poo in the toilet that year. What one? Uh, I, Daniel Blake. That's so funny. Ken, take the palm. Take it. You need to. Uh, and the handmaid. We talk about that movie a lot, though. <laughs> We're always bringing up Daniel Blake. Yeah. Can't use the phone, can I? Fucking government. Um, it's an all right movie. Um, but uh, I'm making fun of it, but it's all right. But, uh, but uh, you know, Tony Erdman was obviously the big sort of hot movie that mm -hmm. year, uh, uh, along with Handmaiden. Both got, uh, well, Handmaiden got blanked. Tony Erdman got it. Oh my I think, God. Something. I forgot completely about Tony Erdman, but that movie is incredible. I, wow. Actually, no, Tony Erdman didn't get anything. God. Really? Yeah, it was. Fucking, he gave it to I, Daniel Blake. He gave the Grand Prix to the Xavier, Javier, Xavier mm -hmm. Dolan movie, uh, It's Only the End of the World, the one that everyone hated. Yeah. Where they cut to Mad Mads Mikkelsen looking like someone just like slapped him in the face. Right. And then Xavier Dolan's response was, I'm insulted I'm that you didn't give me a better award. Right. right. And, uh, and they now gave he's the not even going to make a movie anymore, so. Mm, oh. It's too bad. Uh, what he definitely doesn't want us to do is talk about him. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, he can make a movie if he wants to. Um, Andrea Arnold uh, won the jury prize for American Honey, which is an excellent film. But, like, weird, weird to watch The Handmaiden and be like, eh. You know, but maybe well, it was polarizing. I mean, thing with juries is if you polarize, like, uh, or like a couple of people don't like it, you're in trouble. We've talked about my theory, though, that often the jury head at a film festival, especially when it is a director, 
will award the film that they are most impressed by because it's the film they could least see themselves being able to pull I, I, off. I love that theory. And like, so that's why like, Spielberg it, gave it to Blue as the warmest yes, color. Yes. No, and but like, this is my Mike Tim Burton gave it to Uncle Boon Me, things right. like that. Right. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And yeah. I, you could see George Miller being like, I could make never make something as stripped down as I, Daniel Blake. Yeah. Uh, I could see that. I could too. never make a Ken Loach film. He could never just film a guy being like, can't call the NHS. Fucking government. <laughs> film is a smash hit in Korea, made $31 million. Perk's cool. most successful film ever there, yeah. outgrossing JSA's 29. Mm -hmm. Amazon distributed it here uh, with their friends at Magnolia Pictures. Mm -hmm. Um,. These alternate cut, as we mentioned, there was a ravenous reception. Loyal fans demanded an extended cut. Yeah. Investors agreed because it was doing so well. They were mm. like, come on, what do you got? What do you got? Right. So that's where that comes from. Cool. Um, but he's, Park has made it clear the theatrical cut is his intended cut. Mm -hmm. He's got no beef with it, but he's like the rhythmic standpoint, in my opinion, theatrical. Mm -hmm. um, very acclaimed film. Weird, in my opinion, snubbed at the Oscars. Yeah, sometimes they'll kind of be chill and be like, "We're gonna throw a design nomination to a foreign film that looks so amazing." Yes, and like this could. Like, how what's is going this not? How it? is this not the most amazing? I mean, there, I how do think twenty sixteen is a stacked yeah, year, you know? but none of those things I think were nominated of the things I, I think of as loving in twenty sixteen. I think twenty sixteen was, was like a. Maybe the best good year, that, year of is that a good year? decade. Yeah. I, I'm going to say that without Daniel looking things up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. just put it out there. 2016 was the best year of the 10th. Let's see. Was this... It's the Moonlight La La Land year. Yeah, I'm looking what else here. Oh, oh La La Land. Wait a second. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Sully the, the, the landed in 2016? <laughs> no, I'm just... I'm, I mean, I'm just looking at your letterbox. Hail Caesar, Lobster, Tony Erdman, Arrival, Silence... Yeah, it's a, it's a great year. Jackie, the Fitz. Yeah, you know, Shin Godzilla. You love the nice that. Nice guys. Oh I love God. Shin Godzilla. He's Trained a really Busan. good person. Ooh, what's this one here? Ooh, what's click. that? Hi, <laughs> Daniel Blake. Wait a second. <laughs> I've injured myself. Uh, I'm in a scenario. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Manola Dargis, uh, raved this the first time uh, a park film got a New York. Times wow, critics say. She was not his biggest champion. The Times no. in general would just yeah. run at him. Yes. He would release Old Boy and the Times would be like, has cinema gone too far? Trash. Like, yeah, like, um, but anyway, so just like, it did feel like a moment for him. Not that he's not a huge, massively respected name mm -hmm. in the cinema world, but I don't know. It just felt like everyone was kind of like, have you made your opus, director? I, Park, yeah. I right? do think also, and I mean, it's sort of interesting that it did that much better than Stoker because I think it does sort of hint at what, you know, I think we almost, you know, post post Parasite, certainly. But I think and what we were talking about, the Netflix, the globalization of Netflix and who? what Netflix. Um, Internet movie flicks the internet um, movie flicks but yeah that 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 there is i think that there is just more openness in general to to foreign films that can that can break through like this in a way that i think you know yeah old boy old boy was huge but yeah all on home video it still felt like something that somebody had to you know get you into in a way like um you had to be reading the right blogs or whatever to see it and this does feel kind of like the Handmade and walked, but like box office wise, so Parasite could run. So yeah, and, a little bit, sure. And I do think also in general, like the you know, the South Korean cultural wave in general has just had made it that much easier for South Korean film specifically to yes. to hit here. 
Um, um so uh we're gonna play the box office game and mm-hmm. I've decided that we will play for its second weekend. Two reasons. One, okay. that was when it went wider. Okay. Rather than just a couple screens. Two, the weekend before is Jack Reacher Never Go Back's box office. Which weekend. we covered. We covered in I'm sure immense depth. Yeah. So um, um do you have the Korean box office as well? It's a great question. Can you do both. Why not? What por qué no los dos? Great. Uh, even though I have to go home. Um, no, 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 no. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Um, Jack Reacher never go home. When did Jonathan uh, Shin Godzilla come out? Uh, September? Am I wrong? September. Oh, oh God. Now I have to look that up? Yep. What an incredible. What an incredible. October in America. Just like what an incredible okay. year. Shin Godzilla like and the July Hanmaiden. in Japan. Holy shit. You know what's crazy about Shin Godzilla? Uh, how much it rolls. His eyes, his eyes are <laughs> googly. Yeah. He got Google eyes. Well, I like when he's like the baby second, slug. His yeah, second when evolution. He's, when he's the weird slug. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Anyway. What a good All right. Movie. The American box office. This is October, late October. I like that he looks like an overcooked hot dog with googly eyes. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, number one is a Halloween film. A film celebrating the great holiday of Halloween. I'm going to guess it's called Halloween. No. Fuck. It does have the word Halloween in it. It does. But no, this one. But it's not David Gordon Green's Halloween. No, this one has a comic take on the holiday. It's a comic. A beloved cinematic character, in fact, is 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 you know peering down her glasses. Boo! (laughs) What's the film called? It's a Medea Halloween. Medea's Halloween. Halloween. Uh, is number one of the box office in its second week in a row. a, A sensation. That poster that is a parody, the original Carpenter Halloween poster, is incredible. I have called it out many times. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call it up right now. When are they going to make Boo 3? I mean, it's the funniest shit on the planet. Yes. Uh, there it is, if you can see it. I can't see that. Halloween. It looks like a floor. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's just the Halloween poster with Medea glasses. <laughs> It just works. Amazing. And the thing is, they did other ones. They did like an Exorcist one, you know, or whatever. And they're they're fine. But there's nothing like this. It really speaks to how good the original Halloween poster is. That you can just like, we're like, I get it. Yeah. It wasn't as good when they did the second one. one Anyway, all right. So that's number one. Wait, can we briefly talk about Handmaiden posters? Oh, well, that one one that's like the the sort of... um, The screen. With the trees. Yeah, that, I I was remembering that one. I'm going to fucking buy that thing. It's so amazing. But the blocking of the kind of main poster where like... The, they yeah, each the have their characters. hands on each other. Yeah, that's yeah. also like, an incredible poster. It's so cool. It's so good. Um, no, both of them are fantastic. I just think that the 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 the, the screen style one, it's so it's, it's so pretty. perfect. It's pretty. It's but also kind spooky. of like nasty because when you like look, look at it, There's you see a hanging all the, person. Um, the the artificial eye Blu-ray. The menu is that. That's cool. And the selections are the little figures of them oh wow for if you're cool. doing like play movie special feature setup whatever go on yeah. beautiful go poster. on david um number two at the box office was probably hoping to beat a medea halloween in the second weekend uh yeah in its second weekend too uh, bad it, it went is, up against a buzzsaw it is a uh huge flop uh a the a, a literary flop. adaptation it's a sequel stars one of our great famed actors Stars one of our most famous returning actors. to a role he hadn't done in a while. 
Oh, is it uh, uh, Blade Runner 2049? No. No, fuck. That didn't do that badly. No. That didn't get bodied by Medea. No, it didn't get bodied by Medea. This was a huge flop. This was a huge flop, and it was a return to the same role decades later kind of thing. It's not Jack Reacher. It's not, not Jack, Jack Reacher, Reacher, but it is based on a book. It is based on a book. Yeah, because you Jack said a, liter- a literary for- adaptation by with one of our biggest stars. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, fuck. What genre? Thriller, but like, you know, your heart rate will go 50 beats a minute. <laughs> thriller. Huh. <laughs> uh, museums. <laughs> it's in the great genre of museums. And the, the museum too? the museum. <laughs> But I think they have some nights at museums in this series. They have some nights. Well, it's just him, but it's always him with a girl. It's a different girl every time. Oh, 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 it's Inferno. Inferno. The third Robert Langdon Down Brand movie. Yes. Uh, Felicity Jones. That was like a decade later, right? Yeah. 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 I think we should watch these movies for the Patreon (sighs) then. That's a good idea. Here's why. They're about, one of them is about the Illuminati. Yeah. And I feel like you have a lot to say about the Illuminati. Do I? I don't know. <laughs> and no. I heard, like, you know the way that the listeners, the way that the Zoom is set up right now is that yeah. they, I, Griffin Emily and David Kitsy are looking ben. at me like they are two panelists on a on yes. a Q and A, and I'm looking directly at them. The and I guess right. I'm on the side of the room that Ben's on, so they just yes. pointed yes. at me and said, "You have a lot to say about the Illuminati." <laughs> No, Griffin and I look like we're doing a talk back at the IFC. Set. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a joke for ten people. Yep. Uh, here's here's my counterpoint to the idea of doing the Robert Langdon trilogy. Yeah, right. I during Deepest Darkest Lockdown yeah. watched uh, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Da Da Vinci Code. Da Da Vinci Code. For the first time for the uh, our friends of the Can I Kick It podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, and that movie is the most boring shit I've ever seen in That's my good, life. We'll it get is some Z's. interminable. We'll it get is some Z's. Listen, 15 hours long. May I remind you about uh, the reaction to us discussing the moon landing? Uh, yeah, everyone was chill about it. Everyone was really cool about us just sort of like poking at fun at uh, that May. We have... definitely didn't have a panic attack before no. even releasing that. And in fact, no. Ben, now that you're reminding me of that, I've come around. I think we should do the Robert <laughs> Langdon oh, trilogy. Boy. Illuminati. All right. Number three, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. Number okay. four, a surprise hit, an action thriller of it sorts. It is funny that you just have Tom's, Hanks, and Cruz grasping at straws. Right, being like, like don't Medea's you want my book? Fucking slashing <laughs> like, hell are we? <laughs> Number four. Yeah. Look, I, it's it's like a crime thriller. Okay. it's Surprise uh, with, hit. A bit of a surprise hit. Mm-hmm. Boring title. Boring title. One of those movies that people are more and more kind of like, mm? To that kind of rule. Kind of fun, you know. Huh. It's uh about the star of the picture. Um, you know, he's had his ups and downs. He's had his, his swings and, and roundabouts. Um <laughs> okay. uh, I, I like him a lot when he's good. Uh-huh. I, I can't deny that he's sometimes been bad. Sometimes uh, he works for the UPS, maybe a bit of a mailman. Sometimes, but uh also he's a filmmaker in his own right. Uh interesting. Um, and this is one of the m- movies he made where you're like, okay, so this is kind of like a pay job, and then it was actually like a hit, like a you know, moderate hit. There's a lot of talk of sequelizing it. But it's never come to pass. Probably because this guy's fucking busy. Oh, it's the accountant. The accountant. The accountant. Ben Affleck is the accountant. Which was like quietly a big titty titty. Yes. It's crazy how much worldwide. this is this week or this month or whatever is completely memory hold for me. And yes. even as someone who's still working and 
and covering culture. I usually remember all but those you were movies at, pretty well. I feel like you were at the Verge. Yeah, I was in the very, very yeah. tail end of my my. Yeah, my which was a great time for you. Yeah, it was you amazing. The verge of I had a great time. The verge. Yeah, we had yeah. some very chill dinners at that. I remember back then, you know, and you, where you were like, "How's work?" I like, believe Good. I was doing the. I believe I was co-hosting the Mr. Robot After Show on I remember Facebook that. Live. Which mm. I believe drove me insane, and uh, I think it's all in past statute of limitations. I'm talking about. That. Yeah, no. You, yeah, it went I mean, absolutely no bananas. And, find it. Yeah, it was cool. But anyway, maybe I, that's why I didn't see uh, uh, the accountant. The accountant. You didn't yeah, see Ben Africa. Yeah, I didn't see. Him you didn't get your you books balanced. No, I did not get my books balanced. Um, number five at the box office: a prequel horror film. Okay, that is. So fucking good. Ouija Origin of Evil. That is correct. Had to be the answer. Uh, we Mike Flanagan's fantastic film, Ouija yeah. Origin of Evil. Yeah. Uh, which combines the sort of, you know, like vintage throwbacky scares of Mike Flanagan with a blessed hour and 39 minute running time. <laughs> yes. Which he stopped giving us. That, that, the whip scroat. Uh, so good. Um, the Korean box office, briefly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, number one, The Handmaiden. Fuck, so they beat Boo? Yeah, Yeah, well, this is uh, July or late May, so it's a little... Medea hasn't shown up yet. I'm sure Korea and Japan have very chill uh, opinions on Medea. I'm sure Medea is always coming out there. No, I have no idea. Medea's cultural reach. Um, Number two, comic book sequel. Terrible. Number two is a terrible comic book sequel. Some people like it. Uh, it's, no. it's not was a Marvel. It the, wait, was it? What's his face? The um, Doctor Strange. It's not no. the good. No, doctor. no, no, no. Because no. that, that was the first Doctor Strange. Never mind. Wait, but it's not a Marvel. Uh, well, it's, it's X Men Apocalypse. It's X Men Apocalypse. Okay. <laughs> the movie that embarrassingly caused me to originally oh coin the term. A Gentleman's Six. That was the first movie I ever applied yeah, that, that to. Yeah, that was not a Gentleman's which Six. Which is almost incriminating. Opinion. Yeah. Um, number three is a Korean film, a uh, horror film. Uh, that uh, fucking rocks, and I feel like they keep threatening to remake in America. Hmm. Um, that I bet you have seen Emily. Maybe not. Twenty sixteen Korean um, horror film. The director is Na Hong Jin. Uh, it's about a policeman investigating mysterious killings in a remote village. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, what movie is it? It's called The Wailing. Oh, I've never no. seen it. Yeah, it's cool. No. Uh, big hit. Okay. All right. Now, the weirdest thing is the fourth and fifth. Okay. Both American films, mm-hmm. both like rom. May. Well, this is a rom drum. May 2016. It's a rom drum. Yes. Is it based on. It's based on a novel. It's not a Sparks? No, but that vibe. It's in that mode. It's about a sort of uh, a, a couple uh, who there's, there's problems mm-hmm. beyond their control. Health issues. Okay. It's but they not love each the other. fault in our stars. No. They're older than that. They're older than Health that. Health issues. It stars a Game of Thrones and a Hunger Game. Oh, oh it's two the games. Fucking, um, <laughs> what's it called? Me Without You? Amelia uh, Clark. That's how and old that Sam is. Claflin, and Sam Claflin. Yeah, yeah. Claflin yeah. in Me Before Me You. Me Before You. I can't uh, believe that movie came out well that long Korea. ago. Yeah, that's uh, upsetting. And Number, the passage of time. Wait, that movie also did weirdly well in it North America. It did quite well. People liked it. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like people did actually. It, was it a brain problem? Uh, I think he's he's a he's I, in a wheelchair, right, but I, I cannot remember the reason why because yes. I didn't see the film out of disinterest. Yeah. Number five is a charming indie okay. musical. 
Interesting. An indie musical. People love this movie. People love. I have always found it to be okay, but that's oh, how I, I feel about this director. Think it's a bad always. movie? Is that my opinion? You think it's on a bad movie? movie? Do I? Do you is like that it? my opinion on this movie? You tell me. Do you think you know what it is? Emily? I think I know what it is, but what do you think it is? Well, I mean, it's twenty. I think it's La La Land. It's not La La Land. <laughs> it is not La La Land. I think La La Land is a good movie, and I'm yeah. with Emily on that one. Um. I don't think it's the best movie ever. I made. like when it was remade in 2022 good. as Babylon. <laughs> yeah, a better film. I think Babylon <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. And David, also, I'll say you and I do both agree on La La Land in that it is not the single best film ever made. Sure. I'm firmly uh, in the camp yeah. of it not being the not number the best one best made. film That's ever made. That's your um, Carl, Carl Weathers moment. No, yes. come on. What is this? What is this? It's an Charming indie, indie musical. musical. How many of those are there? But not like, like, a, like a diegetic musical? Is it yeah, like, they're fucking in, in a band. Is, they're singing songs. Oh, Sing Street? Sing Street. Oh, that movie rules. <sighs> it's okay. That movie's fucking oh, incredible. Right, I can't okay. believe it was blown up the box office in Korea. Well, it's number five. It's doing all right. Yeah, it's doing pretty Punch damn well. Its you I know, think that movie's this lovely. is the thing. Yeah. Anytime I have yeah, looked right. at stuff that that, that hits in, you know, in, in, in Korea or in, in Japan. Yeah. It is, it tends to be shit like that, though. And then you're like, why is there this mandate, especially back then, less so now, that like the only thing that's going to hit over there are fucking Marvel movies or things with Tom Cruise in them? Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 like, Everybody loves musicals and people kissing. Yeah. And those travel well. <laughs> it's true. People love to kiss. People love people kissing. People kiss everywhere. Yeah. Number six is the uh, universal language. Number six is the Korean universal box language. Uh, and the Angry Birds movie. Oh. Oh my God. Uh, I remember. I had to see the Angry Birds movie. Oh my God. Uh, there's also a Korean horror film called Horror Stories 3. It appears to be an omnibus. Yeah. There's also an American horror film in the box office called The Angry Birds Movie. Uh-huh. Uh, a horrifying cultural export. There's a uh, sweet sort of grandma movie called Canola that mm-hmm. is a Korean film. And there's kind of an awful Angry Bird movie called The Angry Birds Movie. Uh, there is a film called Our Times. Can't really find much on that one. Okay. Much later, Angry Birds, the Angry Birds movie came out after everybody had stopped playing Angry Birds. Yes. It, they, they, they took so the amazing. It was like a decade. Like, yeah. it's incredible. And what then a- they like barely like kind of squeaked out a success and they were like, so sequel time, right? There's a hunger for more of this. It'll take another three years to get a sequel into theaters. We don't think we've overstayed our welcome. I wonder if you uh, ask an average the- teen today if they know what Angry Birds is. Like, uh, and I think I think a teenager today would view Angry Birds the way we view a Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, wait, no, the way we view like yeah, exactly like Jacks. fucking gramophones. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, number ten at the Korean box office, of course, is the uh, the prequel to Brahms the Boy Two. Some movie called The Boy. Obviously, I'm only a Brahms the Boy Two stan. <laughs> For me, the series starts with Brahms the Boy Two. <laughs> it's a bit of a New Hope episode. Yeah, one yeah, yeah. <laughs> Final Fantasy. Uh, haven't seen that. I did see that director made the Orphan sequel, and I did watch. Oh, that, interesting. You liked was, that? Right? It was okay. First kill. I mean, you just like to see Isabel Furman pop off. Yeah, I want to see Orphan Last Kill. Well, but then you know, then it's over. Sad. It's like ninety five. <laughs> sure, but she still looks. She's still yeah, a little. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, that's the box office. I gotta go make dinner. Um. But is there any closing thoughts on? The Handmaiden from any of us. I love it. 
It's very good. I'm just like, this is it's why I want really movies quite to be. It's, a, it's a full fucking meal. It's a full meal. That's but exactly, yeah. It's thrilling movies can't and always be this. And, no, because but, then we might be overstuffed, you yeah. know? And then once in a while, you get served a five-course meal like this. You know, it is. The thing about this movie, though, is it's so good and it's so entertaining that you sometimes make the mistake of thinking you could watch it with, say, a parent. And mm. then... Because <laughs> you're like, well, it's a period piece. Yeah. Right, it's a period piece. It's know? so beautiful. Like, it's, it's so based fun. On a book. You won't believe this twist in the middle. And then you're like, oh, Oh no, I'm like, I mean, I haven't, this hasn't happened to me personally, but it's like, oh no, I'm watching the scissoring scene with my mom. So titties. Cool. I'll say this the, the film does, in fact, have titties in it. Uh, I, I will say that I, I've never uh, made the mistake of, of uh, watching it with someone who I wouldn't feel comfortable sitting next to uh, while watching it. But this is like, it's in the uh, seven years since this movie came out, this is one of my default go to anyone ask me for a movie recommendation movie. Sure. Yeah. It's just the fact that I know it's on Amazon all the time. Right. And if they're like someone who's like open-minded but maybe has not really delved into foreign you, film. You know what movie might blow your mind? The Handmaid. Yeah. And, and they're like, what do I have to know about it? I'm like, nothing. Right. And I'm I'm always just like, okay, take your apple, type this in. B-R-A-H-M-S colon T-H-E colon B-O-Y colon I-I. Yes. I comma D-A-N. Will it make sense if they haven't seen The Boy though? <laughs> I'm like, we don't talk about that boy. Is the boy's name Brahms or is Brahms the name of something else? Well, we'll find out sometime okay. later on a different episode. Um, Mama. Sorry. Mm. I hate saying that. Yes. Wow. That sucked. Yes, Emily. My mother. Emily. Mother, please. <laughs> uh, Emily. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. When does this episode come out? Late August. Okay. Okay. Why? No, I'm just like uh, hoping. Uh, I was. I was gonna. You'll ask be flying we... back from Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I was gonna if ask I have if anything Emily to wanted... plug. Um, I was gonna ask if you want to plug Strike Solidarity, but then I'm also like, imagine if it's over when this comes out. It's starting to feel like. I think it. Well, maybe we'll no. find out about your guild what's well if you guys go on strike we're recording yeah. on the day that the strike decision is supposed to be made I think it's tomorrow well, friends, the 12th. Friends, I think it's tomorrow it's Thursday oh really uh, why do you think it was today well because Fran has to get back from Venice oh, where she was partying with Kim K or whatever Jesus <laughs> yeah. but if you guys go on strike there's an argument it actually might accelerate the end right that's yeah, good for yeah, you yeah. Um, yes I mean for, for you guys oh, the writers God, are generally rooting news. for you guys to go on strike but I yeah. will not yes. no, I'm in fa- I right think now. we need to burn the whole system down I just have some terrible news to share with the podcast occasionally we get like an exciting deadline update while we're recording sure. and we get to capture the reaction on mic right. promise the boy three <sighs> no <laughs> I regret to inform you and I hate that I'm the one who has to give you this <laughs> news too? Jimmy Weldon died who's that <laughs> Why, is Why are you laughing? To me so the much. man died. Jesus Christ. Jimmy Weldon. <laughs> Just, I'm going to have to read it. Jimmy Weldon died. <laughs> you're you're really it. losing it. I fucked up my own pit. And I got to go. <laughs> I just looked it up. The voice of Hannah Barberry's <laughs> Yankee Doodle Duck. He was 99 years old. Something about what? the headline. <laughs> It's, 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 it, it's not Yankee, Yankee it's Yaki Doodle Duck. Yaki, Yaki doodle. doodle. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was Yaki. cold read. I was cold reading that. Hannah Barbera's Yaki Doodle Duck was 99. I know I'm cutting off the first. He was a 1940s era disc jockey. Like they invented discs pretty quickly after you know before. He was one of the best ever to 
I'm sorry if Salute this sounds to him. disrespectful. Like, yeah, he's a good bookmarked guy. this this death so hard in my mind that I'm going to be waiting with like on the edge of my seat during the in memoriam at the Oscars <laughs> next year. Yeah, right. Yaki doodle. Yaki doodle ducks. And of course, if this guy gets yaki doodle, doodle milkshake ducked afterwards, oh, right. it turns out he was bad or something. I disavow everything I said about him being good. Of course. Uh, yes. But I think Yaki Doodle Ducks are unproblematic. Can't yeah. <laughs> no choice. I'm sure. Th- yeah, I'm sure there's no bad Yaki Doodle Ducks out there. Prayers up. All right, we gotta go. <laughs> Emily, thank you for thanks for in. having me. Um, sorry I couldn't be there in person, but yeah. I, I I think this setup works. It does. Yeah, it no, took some good. time to get it working. But Ben, you made it work, baby. Love thanks, you. Ben. You're the best in the biz. Ben's the best in the biz. Ben's the best in the biz. It's sort of weird to not see Ben at all. I know. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. You turn it around. I don't know. How do you feel about not seeing ben This is at what all? it was like in the old studio days. It's true. When when our UCB studio was so That's small right. that he had to be yeah. in a different room and he would just pipe in. In yeah. a smaller room. That yeah. fucking sucked. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it sucked good. ass. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll be over here mopping up the floor. <laughs> our AC's busted. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media and helping to promote the show and produce the show. I don't know why I said promote. Uh, help. Yeah. Thank you to JJ Burst for our research. AJ McKee and Alex Barron for our editing. Leigh Montgomery and the Great American mm-hmm. All for our theme song. Joe Bowen, Pat Reynolds for our artwork. You can go to blankcheckpod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including our Patreon, Blank Check Special Features, where we are doing the Oceans movies and also Little Drummer Girl this month. Yep. Um, probably just did that. I think that just happened. Finishing Oceans. Yeah. yeah. Um, tune in next week for the end of Park Jam Wook with Decision to uh, Leave, leave with, with guest Tatiana Mislani. That's right. Which is a really exciting oh, one. I think cool. it's a good episode. She's real cool. She's a cool ass person. She's a real cucumber. Cool ass. She's a, she's a real cucumber. And I'm sure she's going to be thrilled to hear us describe she's her so, that way. She, she's a chiller. She's a chiller. She's a real cucumber. <laughs> uh, and as always, thoughts and prayers to Stanley Tucci. We hope you get the touch back. And also Maybe to the family. Maybe you can be the new Yaki Doodle Deck. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>